the land of mystery where dreams become reality always listening to stories from the past the present and the future this is back to your story What's up, guys? Thank you so much for tuning in. I want to talk about a sponsor today that uh, it just means a lot to me. It's called Jupiter. They make some of the highest quality CBD on the market. And I would know, I've tried so many brands, uh, but these guys are special because they focus on alleviating stress. Uh, they are also USD organic. They are single strain origin. You know, they only use the flower. The testing is phenomenal. And they're offering you guys something special. It's called the Jupiter Journey. It's a two-week supply for $19. And then after that, you guys will use my code to receive $10 off. The code is Storytime. Yep, that makes sense, right? Um, so yeah, get the Jupiter Journey today, 19 bucks. Go to getjupiter.com. And then off your next order, use Storytime for the $10 off. Uh, I'll put all the information in the show notes. All right, here we go. So I have a very special guest on today. It's uh, Matt Lindley, cybersecurity specialist, just fucking wizard, man. Uh, we talked about life, love, psilocybin, LSD, blockchain, crypto, this, that, and the other. This dude and I have been through so many things. Um, yeah, so... Let's get to it. It's definitely a, an interesting story for sure. Oh, by far. That and, uh, Absolutely. Yeah. Actually, let's just start off with that real quick. Um, uh, why don't you tell the listeners how we first met? So uh, let's see. Where do I start? It was uh, I, I, I was tr- uh, getting my hair cut yep. at this uh it was a, a salon inside the mall in Santa Clarita, Valencia Mall. Yep. And uh, I'd gone there, I think, once or twice before, just kind of a walk-in, who, whoever was available. Um, and uh, one day, uh, I uh, needed a haircut, went in there, and the person that was cutting my hair... <laughs> Um, you know, I, 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 I don't know, I don't know what the deal was, but, uh, there's, there's something going on there. Maybe some substance, a little bit of Xanax. Yeah. Maybe, maybe a little high. Uh, but, uh, when, when she cut my hair, uh, she put a massive, like one inch, almost, uh, (laughs) hard part in my hair with the razor and uh just completely screwed it up i mean she was dropping things she was there's you know she was she was a little she, she was slightly intoxicated yeah, yeah, needless to say yeah. a one inch hard part so so so, <laughs> so you know after that happened i i just uh you know um i don't even know if i if i really said anything when i was just i just kind of wanted to like you know, check, like make sure it was as bad as I thought it was. The funny part is I had a business meeting the next day <laughs> no, you did. with, with, with my CEO, oh my. we were meeting a, uh, um, friends of his to, you know, we we're going after their business, but yeah. he personally knew these people. <laughs> oh, shit. So I show up with, you know, <laughs> At the worst a haircut. ridiculous haircut and you know, all I could do was just kind of laugh and, and, you know, did you call uh, it out? Did you say, um, I, you know, I didn't in the business meeting I did with, with my, when I'm my boss at the yeah, time. I sure. said, I said, look, I'm really sorry. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I, I got my hair cut, uh, by a lawnmower. Yes, and, you did. Uh, but you know, it, it was, it was fine. Yeah. Um, you know, not a big deal. So, uh, you know, but I, I did call the owner of the salon and I, yeah. I just said, I said, look, you know, you may, uh, want to, you know, look after this person yeah. check her out. I, I think she was probably not in a state of mind where she, she should be cutting hair. She definitely wasn't. Um, and what she did, she hooked me up with three, 
free haircuts. Damn. And she recommended, uh, not even recommended. She said, you have to, you know, sit down with Brock. He is, uh, you know, he's incredible. He's an incredible stylist. And I did. And that's, that's, Damn. uh, you know, made an appointment with you. You cut my hair. And from there it was like, you know, yeah. best buds. Like, Dude, that's, <laughs> that's so freaking crazy. Yeah. I mean, to, to, to think that, uh, you were about to go into this important meeting you sit down, you get a haircut. Uh, this girl totally fucks your hair up. <laughs> um, and you, you push forward through it. And I mean, you just, out of the niceness, I don't even know the niceness of your heart, but you did, you called, you said, you know, uh, explain to, to Kim of Salon Kate, freaking amazing. If you're in the Valencia area, check out her salon. Um, and uh, she made it right by giving you three haircuts. Now, I, I do appreciate the kindness and things that you said, but for me, looking back on what happened to you was probably the best haircut you ever got. And what I mean by that is it allowed us to foster a relationship. That's so right. it was the worst haircut, but... Yeah, and, but, and who knows? You know, I mean, that was kind of my... I'd gone there a couple times. Yeah. It was, you know, it was at the mall. I have, uh, I have two kids, uh, you know, so sometimes we go hang out by the mall. So that was probably, you know... I, eventually I may have sat down with you. And I think, I think that's all it would have taken is getting me, you know, sitting down with you, uh, and getting our haircut. Cause we just, I, mean, I forget where we, where we started maybe politics, probably, maybe, you know, eventually got into crypto Definitely. And, and just, you know, from there we're, you know, it just freaking grew yeah, it, yeah. and it's, it's crazy. I mean, uh, being able to foster such a long, long relationship and the things that we've gone through. Right. Um, so thank you so much for, for starting off with, uh, such a funny story, but, uh, I, I want to dive uh, a little bit deeper back into your past first, because back to your story is really about sharing people their, the story of how they became who they are. Um, and for you, I look at you as uh, one of you know my friends that um, does his life on his own terms. And I think that's really important. You have uh, two amazing kids and you have a good job and you have just always been just so kind to me, my family, people in general. And uh, when I think of a person, uh, one of my friends that I look up to most, it's you by far. Oh, um, I look yeah, at you as you. like my big brother. I swear you you and my, my older brother have so many common um, uh, commonalities that uh, it just kind of warms my heart. And I think that really for me, when you sat down, um, uh, it was just kind of instantaneous. It was love at first sight. Uh, so uh, yeah. get, getting off topic. I could drive with that, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, where, where, where'd you grow up, man? Yeah, so um, I was born in a small city called Madeira. Okay. Um, grew up until I was about seven years old um, in an even smaller town called Oakhurst. I think there was maybe 1,500 people who wow. lived there. Um, in fact, I remember moving away and, you know, I think a year later talking to, a, you know, a friend that I'd grown up with there over the phone, just, you know, kind of touch and base, say, hey, how, how are things going? He said, oh, we got, um, we, we, we got our first subway. <laughs> and in my mind, my eight year old mind, I'm like underground transportation. That's wild. Like, <laughs> you know, but then it finally, uh, clicked. I yes. uh, wasn't, you know, the sharpest tool uh, at that point. But, um, but yeah, so they, you know, it was a really small town, um, grew up on 40 acres. Wow. Uh, and I remember, you know, taking walks on our property and finding, you know, Indian artifacts, oh, uh, obsidian arrowheads, mortar and pestles. I mean, you know, it was a cool, that cool place so to cool. grow up. Yeah, um, for sure. Snow there. Uh, you know, during the winter, I think we're at about 5,500 feet elevation. Oh, sure. So we, we got a little bit of snow and, you know, growing up, we'd, you know, grew up on skis, put skis on, would ski down the hill, walk back up and That's do so it again, cool. you know, bring the dish. So it was, 
it was neat. Um, definitely spent a lot of time, you know, outside. For sure. Um, we had a lot of a lot of cats and dogs on the property. And just so just a fun. big old bunch of land, whole bunch of kids, or I mean, the cats, animals, things like that. Yeah. Being able to ski, find arrowheads. I mean, that's really awesome and uh, a very unique story for me. I definitely didn't have any of that. So if I ever had the ability to find uh, cool, unique arrowheads growing up, I definitely would have uh, kept a couple of them. By chance, do you have any of them? Um, you know, uh, I'd have to probably look pretty deep, but I would, I would, I wouldn't put money on being able to find that's anything so cool. left over. But that's uh, awesome. That's yeah, awesome. Yeah. Uh, wh- what about after that? Uh, how old were you when you left there? So I, I think I was about seven years old when we moved away. Uh, my parents got divorced, so that's you know when we moved. My dad moved to Irvine, and then um, my and then and then we moved to Irvine with my mom. We kind of predominantly you know stayed with her. Yeah. Um, and. Uh, you know, a big part of us, I think moving away is my mom saw that, you know, it, it would, there weren't a lot of opportunities for us growing up in a small town, you know, and that was, you know, for her and she's, you know, um, she's, uh, definitely, I think one of my personal heroes, uh, just because, you know, she's every decision she's ever kind of made, you know, I, I see as I'm older now, how much she put, you know, us, her kids, me and my siblings, you know, ahead of everything else and really just gave us, you know, all the opportunities in the world. And so this was one of them, right? Um, so cool. Moved away, single mom. She was working as a, um, a district attorney at the time. Wow. And so, you know, we were kind of latchkey kids at that point, you know, getting ourselves to school, getting home, making, you know, our own meals. Doing your thing. Uh, I learned how to make killer bean burritos. Yes, you did. Uh, Legendary. Yes. Legendary. Yes. <laughs> because, that, you know, that's what you do when you're, you know, trying to figure it out. Hell yeah. Bean burritos. Bean burritos, <laughs> baby. Um, you. But yeah, so it was, uh, you know, uh, and then and then grew up in, you know, Irvine, South, you know, South Orange County area nice. uh, for the most part. Nice. You, you, you know, what you said about your mom being a heroine and just kind of, uh, fucking doing it, you know, really putting you guys forward. The first thing I thought of was you. It, it is a strong rele- resemblance to who you are as an individual, uh, always putting your kids first. And uh, that has passed down very strongly uh, to, to you, from your mother to you. And I would uh, assume that one day both of your kids will say the same thing about their father. And I think that's so important, you know, being a child, um, going through a divorce. I don't know what that's like, but you know that I, I, I lost my father at an early age. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but still, that, it, it doesn't matter. Going through a divorce uh, and then you know moving to Irvine, figuring things out, it, it's just a strong resemblance to who you are. Um, so going through all of that, uh, if you can look back at, at, that, at, at the divorce, and I don't mean to kind of pry into your past, no, but it's just some yeah, questions, right? Uh, what was that like as a child? Was it hard? It's funny. You know, I, uh, I almost anticipated this question, and I was thinking about it as you were uh, dialoguing. I, you know, I don't know if I have any truly, you know, powerful feelings around it. I mean, you know, it was, it was hard at the time. I remember crying when I was hearing about it. And, you know, I, I, I think... Um, you know, I, I look at it as, you know, it's just, it's, it's part of it and you work with what you have. Uh, you know, I think in, you know, divorce in many cases, a lot of times it's, you know, it's a, it's a, um, an option that is for the better. Right. And in our case, I think obviously, you know, it was for, for whatever reason. Um, and so, you know, I'm bummed that I 
don't have the relationship with my dad that I do with my mom because, you know, she, but at the same time, you know, I, I think, um, uh, you know, much of that was just because of her, you know, dedication and her commitment to, you know, making sure that, you know, we had that relationship and that she, you know, um, looked out for us in that way and not to, you know, um, you know, my dad was, he's, uh, he's a, you know, was a great dad, great father. Um, but you know, just not in the same capacity and didn't, I think, put us, you know, in the same, um, uh, priority as, you know, my mom did. So that's, you know, that's the reason uh, I get the it. Relationship I, uh, no, no, no. Yeah. Tr- tr- trust me. I get it. And there was something that you said is sometimes it's for the better. Right. Yeah. And I, um, just, I can only tap into my own personal experiences growing up and looking through the shit my parents put, uh, my sister and brother, uh, and myself through, uh, it would have been a lot better if they got divorced. Right. Yeah. Um, and I think that a lot of times couples will hold on to this fictional thing that like we need to be together for the kids. And it's like, no, if it's not working, yeah. then it's not working. And that's going to directly correlate uh, and pass down to, to your kids and the things that they see and the things that they do later on in their, in yeah. their life. You know, it's funny. I, I think about this and I like I think about some of the things that I've subscribed to just that are like cultural uh, or social, you know, kind of status quos, expectations. Yeah. Uh, and I, you know, the older I get, I realize more and more like, you know, it's, you have to ask yourself, like, why am I doing these things and really kind of critically think about it versus just going with the flow and going back to something you said, interesting, you know, uh, before, which was interesting. And that's, um, you know, just kind of setting your own life, you know, making your own life. And I think the more I break, you know, I ask myself, what, what am I doing and why am I doing it? Absolutely the more I can, I think, correct and, and, you know, make the things happen that I really truly want versus, um, you know, um, fitting into a mold or a path that I probably don't really want. No, for for sure. You know, as you and I both know, um, life's a blink of an eye, man. It's truly a blink of an eye. And uh, there are so many people in this world that kind of just, just go through the monotony, the everyday bullshit of life and um listen everyone's story is different right everyone's story is different but i wish that more people would take their head out of their sand and realize like this life is all you fucking got and you might as well make the best of it um and i get it everyone has their struggles struggles are real but uh if we just kind of take our heads out and kind of really follow our our gut instinct instead of our heart our gut instinct uh, maybe people's lives would be different you know and obviously that's not everyone's life because there's billions and billions of people on this planet i get it but um i I don't know it's just philosophy i've had my my entire life and i I try to surround myself with people that that are like-minded and so when you came into my life i was like this is this is the person that's part of my tribe, my crew. You yeah, know? yeah. You know, it's funny. We have, uh, I, you know, I, I feel very lucky to be able to, uh, you know, exercise some of these things that I want to do that maybe are unique and different. And taking, you know, I, I feel uh, lucky that I can even take some of these risks because not not everyone can do it, no. right? And that's that's something that I think is important to recognize is. Um, you know, there are people that they, you know, they just, they do not have the ability to take the kinds of risks that, you know, I am able to, to, you know, shape my life the way I want it. Of course. Um, but the, the risks, you know, they, they, they've paid off for the most part. Some have failed. Uh, and you know, if you fail, you learn, you grow. Of course. Uh, I had a business, uh, we can get into that, you know, I'd, uh, uh, had to shut down the business. Uh, and you know, that was, it was a humbling experience and, uh, a really valuable lesson. Yeah. 
No, no, I, I get that. Just, I mean, you brought it up, so let's just talk about it. Yeah. Um, uh, what was the business that you started? So um, I started, and you know, there's there's probably a fair amount of backstory to this mm-hmm. that would add context. Um, you know, my my background is in in you know IT and consulting yeah. um, with. Yeah, I would say a focus on cybersecurity. Yes. Um, and uh, after living in Orange County, and I was married at the time, I moved to um, Portland, the Pacific Northwest area. Um, nice. And we can, you know, touch on that again at a later point. Uh, it is we a will. really cool area. Uh, I, lo- I love that area. Um, and uh, and you know, this was before we had kids. Uh, ended up having you know, our first child out there. Um, and, uh, then a couple years later moved back. And when we moved back, I landed at this company. Uh, it was a, you know, uh, call it a managed services company. They do, you know, it support for businesses, uh, landed there and eventually, you know, started and ran their cybersecurity practice. Fantastic. So, you know, built it from the ground up, um, you know, built a team, developed all the services, all that stuff. Um, and so after, you know, a fair amount of time doing that, um, and it was just kind of the right time. I mean, you know, anyone who's picked up a newspaper uh, or watches the news, you know, know cybersecurity is kind of a hot, hot Huge. topic right now um, and has been for a little bit. But, you know, I thought to myself, um, and, you know, I think it's a combination of things. I think it's me personally. I, I like, um, you know, I've always worked in entrepreneurial type settings, even if it wasn't my own business. Um, almost every company I worked for was either a startup, a small company where I, you know, worked with the, um, founder where, you know, I'm kind of helping, you know, grow things in different ways. So that's just, you know, the, what, what I think brings me a lot of happiness is, uh, you know, uh, creating and executing. Um, and so I ran that for a while and then I, that's, you know, certain point thought to myself, well, either, you know, I, I don't really have the level of control that I want to, you know, um, exercise some of these, these services. And, um, also I, I felt like, you know, I, 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 if I did it myself, it'd be a lot more work, you know, definitely realize sure. that going into business. <laughs> it's a lot of work, but, um, I, I'd be able to also, you know, have a lot more reward associated. So I, I decided to, um, start my own business. And that was January of, I want to say 2017, uh, uh, was married at the time. And, and this is one thing that I think, um, definitely, you know, led to ultimate demise of the business, but 2017 mid to late, it was also when I started going through a divorce of my own. Um, yeah. so that was, that was tough. And then, you know, by the end of 2018 realized that I, you know, I needed to, um, uh, I, I needed to make a decision, yeah. uh, and I made that decision to leave the business and it happened to be one of the best decisions I made. Cause I'm, I'm extremely, uh, happy where I'm at That's now. Great. Um, it's, uh, I feel blessed to have kind of landed at the, the path I've, I've landed for it, sure. It, it, it's so incredible. And I, I say this to a lot of people in life, we're going to be faced with many decisions. You can either go left or you can go right. And, uh, some people decide to go left. Some people decide to go right. And it's understanding at that current moment in, in the time in your life to take all the bullshit that's at the top of your brain, um, maybe uh, feelings that you have towards a business, relationship, whatever it is, and pull everything out and look at it from a macro perspective, right? If it's a business or a relationship or whatever it is, how has that relationship or business been going? Is it flatlining? Is it slowly going up? Mm-hmm. Is it going up, down, up, down, up, down? And if you can look at it from that bird's eye view and okay, all right, well, some days go up, some days go down. But if from that bird's eye view, it's slowly going up. Well, 
well, then you probably know your answer. But a lot of times people will uh, take a lot of these feelings, these rushes to judgment and say, I got to do this. I got to follow it through. I got to see it through when maybe that wasn't the best decision. And for you, that business pulling out of it uh, was probably very hard. It was a lot of time, everything, money and and relationship and this and that and the other. But by pulling out of it, look where you're at today. And so you made the smart decision. You made the right decision. So kudos to you. Yeah, Uh, it was, it it was tough. You know, it was, uh, you know, that, I mean, there was definitely some, you know, uh, like I I wasn't happy, you know, I was, um, going through a divorce, uh, that, which, you know, those those are never easy or fun. Uh, and you know, something that I put a lot of sweat equity into and money, um, you know, just be, you know, making that, making that decision. And so, yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, another thing we'll, we'll probably get to, but I, I think, uh, one of the things that really helped pull me out of that and make that decision, um, were mushrooms. There I mean, we go. I want to say that I had a profound experience Absolutely. that, uh, I'm, I'm thankful for No, for, <laughs> because for it, sure. it helped me, uh, I mean, it, it helped me align things in a way and look at things in a way that almost uh, it's, and it wasn't instant, but you know, pretty much pulled me out of, uh, I think, you know, one of the darker, um, periods of, of, you know, my life where, you know, not dark, dark, but just, I get it. Just, you know, I I wasn't happy. No, Um, for, for, for sure. I mean, (laughs) and I couldn't figure it out. I couldn't make a decision. I couldn't pull out of it. And, uh, you know, that was a really amazing tool that, you know, I think helped change my life for the better. Absolutely. Um, you know, if you use these types of, uh, these mushrooms, psilocybin mushrooms as a tool, um, uh, you and me are both big believers that they can be a very strong tool that mm-hmm. can help you out through things in your life. Um, for me, uh, mushrooms came to me later on in my life. When I was younger, I experienced them and it was never a good experience, but I wasn't at the right place, the right time, the right mindset. Mm-hmm. Uh, psilocybin mushrooms should not be used when you're a kid. You know, your, your frontal cortex is still developing. Our right. brains, everything is still developing until we're almost 25 years old. Um, but when I became, uh, you know, older uh, and, and, my late 20s, early 30s, I started experimenting with them. And uh, by far, mushrooms have uh, saved my marriage. And and what I mean by that is uh, my my wife, Alyssa, and I, we've been together 16 years. We just celebrated our 16th year together. (laughs) High school sweethearts. That's wild. Yeah, Yeah, it is. It's it's insane. But um, she's a very talented makeup artist. And um, about Three years ago, I was at this point where I we've been together for 13 years. We're married. Uh, let's have kids, you know. And we've talked about kids a lot. And I was at this point in my career. I'm like, all right, uh, I'm ready. And at the time, I was speaking from one point of view, not both of our points of view. And I was getting everyone excited. I made her believe that we we should have a kid. And I was telling everyone, oh, we're going to have a kid at the beginning of next year and blah, 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 blah. And I I remember only thinking about myself at that moment uh, for for that year when I said, all right, it's time, right? Uh, No real sit down, no conversation, nothing. It was just like, oh, I'm ready. So you you better be ready too. And we were, we went to Disney World. Um, This was three years ago. Mm -hmm. 
And we were at Disney World, and uh, like my buddy and I do every single year, we eat some mushrooms and kind of go on the spiritual trip at Animal Kingdom. We always have a fucking awesome time. And Alyssa came along with us that time. And I remember going through the, the trip, and all of a sudden, all these ideas and thoughts started pouring into my brain. And why I really like psilocybin is because it really allows you to dive deep inside your brain mm-hmm. in ways that I normally I mean, I think a lot, right? I, I constantly am thinking, but this is so different. And um, I remember thinking, I was like, holy shit. And I, I, I started getting overwhelmed and I started crying. And, and Alyssa turned to me and she goes, well, what's wrong, Brock? And I was like, Alyssa, I'm, I'm, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. And she goes, what the fuck is wrong? This is like out of nowhere, right? Yeah. Um, and I was like, babe, I, it's like, I'm so sorry. I've been pushing it just, you. It clicked. To, it, it clicked. Yeah. I was like, I'm so sorry. I've been yeah. pushing your kids. I was like, she, she's a makeup artist and uh, she has been on this trip. She's fucking awesome. She's been killing it, but she just had gotten into the union. And so uh, uh, literally what I was asking my wife to do was – just get into the union, which is like just getting your doctorate, right? Yeah, like the, yeah. the, the top, and then, right? And then give up her purpose. And then give up her fucking purpose. Yeah. And yeah. I, I I totally did not think about any of that. And why I say that I say my marriage is because what, what happens a lot of times in marriages is uh, one of the couples will follow their dream um, and the other one will kind of take care of the kids and do that shit, right? And things are changing now, right? Both couples are working and all that shit. But put that stuff aside, just my relationship. Um, I was literally asking her to have kids right as you made your freaking goal. No, what's really the smart thing to do is make that goal, do it for, you know, two, three years. So you make a strong name for yourself, then step away for a little bit of time to have a kid. So then you can jump back into it. Right. And I sit here today and tell you on this freaking podcast in front of you that I promise you, we would have gotten divorced 10 years later because after our kids were slightly a little bit older, she would have started to look back at her own life and been like, well, what the fuck? You followed your goal. You followed your dream. Yeah. I, I literally was right to meet mine and then nothing. And so I got chills as I'm saying this because psilocybin, if used for the right time, the right yeah. tool, just like for you. It's amazing. It's, it's almost, you know, I see it as <clears throat> a tool and there's, you know, I think lately uh been a lot more you know scientific research into this stuff you know in a clinical capacity and looking at you know the the benefits on so many different levels and layers um definitely a tool you know almost like you know people who are really practice that meditation you know to get to a state where they can even unpack things that your conscious state of mind has a hard time doing psilocybin you know mushrooms just they give you access to be able to you know, look at things from different angles that you just, you wouldn't be able to look at, you know, without either a ton of practice yeah. or, um, um, you know, uh, or at all. So, yeah. uh, you know, for me, I think, um, and I remember the experience that did it, it was, uh, you know, when people talk about, you know, how, you know, taking a, a, a hero dose, I think they call it, or a level five, yep. Terrence uh, Martana. Lo- losing your, losing your ego, ego. Yes. And I remember, um, and it was something I did alone because I think that's the only way you can therapeutically, mm-hmm. uh, not, I, I don't want to say that's not the only way for me. It was, it was for me, it, it was, it was my, uh, it was a therapy session. So I did it alone. And I remember, uh, having this feeling that was so powerful where I laughed, cried, was thankful, was, you know, could almost see beauty in, you know, the universe and living things and nature that, 
I, you know, I can't even describe. Um, and, uh, and then, and then all of a sudden I started thinking about my life and what I wanted and what was important. And I, it was just so amazing how quickly I was able to organize and understand I'm doing this. This isn't the right time. Uh, you know, I'm not happy make, you know, just, just do it. It's going to be hard, get through it, but this is the right decision. And it was after that, that I started, you know, I, I, I mean, it was, it was literally a couple days later that I started making the moves to shut down the business. I was looking for other opportunities, you know, starting to network, um, in different ways. And, um, That's I, you know, we'll touch on what I'm getting into to now, but, uh, it, or what I'm, what I'm doing professionally right now, but it's, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, um, it's, incredible. It's, it's amazing that it, it led me here. It so, is. It is. Yeah. I mean, you and I have gone through a lot of journeys together. Yeah. And uh, uh, really, when I was going through kind of my you know biggest spiritual moments with, with psilocybin, trying to figure things out, um, we were kind of going through, through things together. And by far, psilocybin, LSD, DMT, they have uh, strong proponents to it that allow you to unlock parts of your brain that you normally don't use. Um, uh, another one for me, I, I think we've talked about this before, was DMT. Um, earlier in the, the beginning part of 2019, I was kind of going through a lot mentally. Um, you know, I suffer from my fibromyalgia, my, my back issues. And um, I, I like two, a year prior to that, I literally almost died. I was in ICU for yeah, like three that. weeks. It was, it was scary. fucking scary. It was yeah. terrible. And I, I, I remember getting out of the hospital and, and I, I just didn't understand why I was, I, I, I just couldn't understand why I was alive. It just, nothing made sense. And, and it lasted for a year. And I, I remember um, at my darkest point in my life, um, I was contemplating suicide and I was just so fucking just fed up with everything going on. And I, I just, I couldn't understand why I was here. And I, I remember my friend, um, uh, had offered me DMT and I, I never knew when I was ready. Um, but something inside me said, Brock, if at any time you're, you're gonna, you're gonna do it now. And so I, um, called him up and we set the area and it was just him and I, and I remember going through that experience, taking the first hit, the second hit, the third hit. And I went to a place that I've never been before. I've done a lot of hallucinogens in my life, but I've never been to this place. And I remember laying back and I looked up and, 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 and all I could see was these eyes looking down at me. And for some reason, it felt like it was my dad. And I started having this conversation with him. And simply put, he was just telling me, Brock, it's not your time. We go through all, we all go through hard shit. Like, it's just not your time. It's not, not your fun. Don't fucking give up. You have so much to live for. And I remember coming out of it and I was the most scared, the most vulnerable, but at the same time, pieces of the puzzle finally fucking clicked. Yeah. And I started therapy a week later. I have to tell you today, not a fucking chance would I ever. Three months, four months later, I promoted to the top position in my fucking company. Um, uh, the healthiest I've ever been, fucking working out, doing all these things that I've never done in my entire life. But at that moment, and I tell you, man, it was a, pivot. It was a fucking pivot. Yeah. It was used as a tool. 
And so as we're sitting here today, you know, we've all gone through these experiences and I'm not saying these things are for everybody. I'm just sharing my own experiences. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, um, just the more I, I kind of read about these tools and yeah. this capacity, um, you know, the more I believe that, uh, you know, if you, if you treat them as, as a tool, exactly. Um, then they, they can be very powerful tools. You, you know, one, one of the things that I, you know, I, I think I read recently. So what, one of the things that is kind of happening, happening at a physiological level with DMT is that, it turns on your is it your beta waves, um, but it's basically your, so. your sleep. It, it, it it's it's it makes you. It's basically puts you in a lucid dream, right? So yes. you're in that yes. state of mind where you're you're dreaming, but you're wide awake, mm-hmm. and so that's why you have such you know one of the reasons why you have such intense you know um, visuals, but it's also part of your brain. You know you're you're able to then I mean that's the tool you're yeah. able to look at things in just a crazy way and correlate them and you know bring things together um, and to me dreams are, are super fascinating I, I remember uh, watching this is a Nova special I don't know how many years ago so I'm not going to be able to I think articulate it to its uh, what it deserves but one of the things that they were talking about so it was a study where they took you know three groups of people um, First group, they didn't let, and I know there's different stages of sleep, but if we were to kind of break it down in two main stages, you know, you kind of your deep sleep and then your, you know, um, you know, uh, first stage of sleep. And then I, I don't know, I can't I talk it. about it, uh, um, articulately, but what they did is they woke the people up before they got to that second, you know, deep sleep stage. And then they looked at, you know, the brain waves, what's happening. And then in the study, they put people on a video game. It was like a skiing video game. So you're going down a hill doing the moguls and all that stuff. And what to me was really fascinating. And then when they explained it, it totally made sense is that the first stage of sleep is you're organizing your thoughts, right? You're just, you're, you know, basically you're hitting the play button on what you recorded throughout the day and then organizing. The second stage of sleep is you are um, you're actually introducing new scenarios. You're you're doing you're doing creative things. You're you know taking what you've organized, what actually happened, and almost playing simulations against like how do I if I did this differently, what will happen? And in the study, you know the first group that they woke up before they got to that stage of sleep. You know they almost all didn't do as well in the ski game versus the people who actually got that are their stage of sleep. And, you know, it may have been because they're a little tired, but when sure. they also looked at the, you know, um, the data on what's happening, they realized that that second stage of sleep is so incredibly so important. important. And, uh, you know, and you look at like even sleeping medication and stuff yeah. like that, which kind of prevents people Fucking from, I mean, you know, if you, uh, I mean, there's just so much I know data firsthand. and science on sleep on how important, you know, that is. And it's even so with, important you know, cleaning your brain from cancerous, you know, cells. And absolutely. Um, I, yeah, it's just, it's just I, sleep I fascinates me. No, no, it um, does. It does. I but, never, but okay. I think, yeah, I think with the, the, you know, the point I was trying to make with the, uh, you know, hallucinogens, um, it's, it's almost kind of, you know, introducing that element of, you know, sleep where your brain is able to just do these incredible things and you're able to, you know, like remember them and, yes. You know, it's a, it's it's really incredible. Um, there's a really short documentary on Netflix. It's the Explained series, um, and they have one on psychedelics, and they uh, have 
scans of a brain that's just, you know, sober, right, on, on no drugs. Um, and then they have a brain that's on hallucinogens. Um, it's either LSD or psilocybin. And, and you look at the way that the brain talks to certain parts of the brain when it's completely sober. And then you take the brain that is on the hallucinogen, the LSD or psilocybin. And parts of the brain that never talk to one another are now connecting in the most fascinating ways, which then leads me to believe, well, if you're able to do that, right, in these, yeah, these times when you're under hallucinogens, um, what parts of your everyday life can you unlock and what shit can you go through? And that's exactly what happened to you with your story with your business, me with my relationship. Um, and that's why before they put, you know, the ban on, on drugs, LSD, mm -hmm. um, uh, during the sixties, they were doing deep studies with therapists, yeah. uh, just like shamans would, um, with ayahuasca, you know, down in South America, uh, take people through these, uh, you know, shamanic rituals, right. To really purge the, the mind, the body and the soul, um, you know, go, go through PSD, PTSD, mm -hmm. um, uh, depression and, and different shit. They would do the same thing in the States, but, uh, with a therapist and they were finding that the percentage rate just with addiction, uh, let's put alcohol or cigarettes, right. Um, if you had like, I, I don't know the type of stuff that they had back in the 60s, but the, the rate of people quitting for one year uh, out yeah. was fucking fascinating. Yeah. yeah. And I, I, and I think even just, uh, you know, folks suffering from depression, like condensing, you know, how, how much, you know, what, what, what would take, you know, a year's worth of therapy yep. could be done with, you know, one or two, you know, psychedelic sessions. Absolutely. Well, look at me, right? right? Yeah. I, I'm like, yeah. it's, this is the most open I've been about it. Right. But I, I'm so open about it now because I look at my life back then and it's such a short period of time. Yeah. Right. But it's changed my entire life. Right. Yeah. And, and at these key moments in my life, especially those two that I just shared, it's been so pivotal. I, I can't even believe it. Even with us, when we went on the camping trip, right, I'm sitting here vaping right now. Um, but I used to smoke cigarettes. I smoked a fuck ton and, um, I quit like eight years ago and then I started up a couple years ago and we went on that trip. And, um, when we went up to, where the hell did we go? Um, uh, Alabama Hills, Alabama Hills, so Alabama Hills camp, camping. Yeah. yeah right at the base camping. of Mount Whitney. Yeah. It's beautiful. It's fucking gorgeous. Cool trip, yeah. And I remember I, I, I couldn't stop quitting cigarettes. I, I just, they, for, for some reason I thought I was in control and I could quit and then just, I couldn't fucking do it. Right. And, um, when we went through that LSD experience, I, I was like, I'm fucking done smoking cigarettes. Right. I didn't say that I wouldn't vape again, but I said I was done smoking cigarettes. Well, I haven't had a that cigarette. Was it. Yeah. That was it. That was it. Fuck that. That. Yeah. that. That is yeah. it. I have no desire to smoke a cigarette. Um, nothing. It was like, it, it was it literally like like a, like a witch or magician just sucked it out of me, right? Yeah. And it was incredible. And um, I, I think that I really wanted to and I was ready. Um, and I'm actually going to be doing the same exact thing at the end of this month. Um, I'm sick and tired of vaping, right? I'm, 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 I'm just done. And, uh, after I go through this, uh, big event called ISSE, um, that following weekend, I'm going to go through an experience by myself, uh, do a strong dose of psilocybin and, uh, a dose of DMT the next day, kind of double it down. And I truly believe by the end of that weekend, I won't be vaping anymore, yeah. you know, and it's just tools that we use to get us along the way that can really unlock different parts of our brain. Yeah. So yeah. it's a, 
really fascinating, you know, and just how they're looked at in society, you know, Absolutely. definitely have a, have a, have a bad rap. Oh my gosh. For, yeah. For people. Yeah. yeah. But who would have thought that Denver and Oakland would have decriminalized it, right? Yeah. Has that, that's already happened. I, I, I mean, I believe so. I could be wrong. Yeah. So if I'm wrong, I do apologize. You know, I know Portland's um, pretty you know, soon behind it or, or Oregon. Absolutely. I mean, yeah. we're, we're on this way where, you know, the internet has brought a couple things really good and bad, right? You, you yeah. can say either or, but it's brought a lot of information um, and it's opened the eyes up to many, many people. And so we're really at this pivotal time in, in, in this generation where we are saying, you know what, fuck you to the generation, you know, generations before us, we need to be living by our own standards. Now, does that mean everything's going to change? Absolutely not. But just with the idea that, you know, psilocybin can be decriminalized. What yeah. the fuck? Well, I think it goes back to, um, <clears throat> you know, what I was saying earlier is instead of subscribing to the same old, you know, um, program, like let's, 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 you know, let's be critical thinkers about it. Like let's, let's, why, why are we doing this? Yes. You know, who, who does it benefit? Who does it hurt? Um, and what are the benefits and what are the negative aspects, you know, because for, sure. for everything there's, there are both sides. Of course. Um, but, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just, it's wild to me that in you know, in, in even our, uh, lifetime that, you know, um, marijuana went from, you know, being, <sighs> Uh, you know, in, even in, when we were kids, like probably some parts of, in, in Nevada, like, you For know, sure. spend a long time in jail yeah. to now where, you know, right off of uh, my exit off the freeway to get to my house, there's, I think, a 60 acre, it's you know, hemp farm. It's just insane. Yeah. It, it's it's literally insane. I remember as a kid looking at high times and always dreaming and wishing to go to Amsterdam uh, because that's where cannabis was, you know, allowed. And uh, to now... It, have what 10 or 11 states become recreationally legal and uh like 30 plus become medicinally legal i mean we're in the next phase five ten years from now max where it will become federally legal right who would have thought right if you just jumped back a generation uh people were getting locked up left and right and for all a the plant. families are destroyed it's insane. Yeah. I mean, just think about it. You know, you, you, if you're just selling a little bit of grass, right, and you get yeah. locked up for all of this time, not only does that affect you, but it affects your family. It affects if you have kids, right? And it's literally a plant that uh, has a lot of amazing uh, benefits. And I'm not saying that it, it doesn't. Like if you um, are, are prone to schizophrenia and you start, yes, it, that, that, that could be um, early set on, but uh, early onset. But as a whole, right, what, uh, a few thousand people die a year from Excedrin or Tylenol, whatever it is, right? Does that mean it's bad? No, absolutely not. If it's used correctly, it can help out a lot. Right. Shit, I get headaches all the time. Excedrin helps me, right? So, um, and, and cannabis is definitely a lot better um, for so many different aspects. So to really see this pivotal shift, it is very sad to see what it's done to the past. But, um, you know, if we really can make this change for the future, I, I think that we can be on the right path with these. Uh, certain hot topics. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. So um, kind of jumping back a little bit, uh, getting back to your story, and we'll come back to other things for sure. Um, so you you were up in uh, Oregon, mm -hmm. right? Um, after, was this before or after you had kids? So uh, I had my first son okay. uh, in uh, in Oregon, and he was, he was born really early. So uh, my wife at the time, uh, her water broke at 26 weeks, wow. you know, out of the 40, 40 week, yeah. you know, um, period. 
Uh, and then we were in the hospital for three weeks. Uh, and then he was delivered at 28 weeks and, you know, some change. That'd be scary. And he was, so he weighed three pounds, two ounces, uh, when he was born and then went down to two pounds, 14 ounces, you know, you just lose a little bit of weight wow. normally. Um, and just, you know, tiny, tiny spent two months in the NICU, um, was never on a ventilator, you know, um, I mean, just all things considered, you know, did incredible. Um, and it's amazing to me to just think about how far we've come even in the last decade in this area. Um, you know, the scientific improvements in, you know, neonatal care is just, it, it blew my mind having gone through that experience and then understanding just how far it's come. And, you know, I, I mean, in a wow. time period of if, if this would have happened 10, 20, maybe 30 years ago, you know, uh, the, it, it could have been a much, much, much different outcome. Yeah. Um, so I, I listened to a, a podcast the other day, uh, this is from a, it's one, it's one of my favorite podcasts called 99% invisible. Um, and they just do a lot of investigative journalistic, you know, stories. One of them was called, uh, it was called the infantorium and I didn't know this. And so apparently around the turn of the century, there's no such thing as a NICU. Um, there's no such thing as an incubator. Um, serious. What, what happened was this, uh, a doctor and I'm going to, I'm going to screw up some of the elements cause I think I was distracted um, listening <laughs> to some of the details, but uh, basically what would happen is if your child was born prematurely, they set up these sideshows at the world fair and yes. carnivals where this doctor had, you know, basically started uh, learning and, you know, uh, creating these incubators because they saw that it was actually saving these, you know, children's lives but they, the hospitals wouldn't support them. They had doctors said, no, this is, this is pseudoscience. Um, they wouldn't get on board. And so what you'd have is almost like a reality show where people, and even doctors would, if you're, you know, if you had a child that was born at a certain stage, you'd say, we can't help you here. Go to the world fair. They tell you to go to the world fair and almost like a reality show, what people would show up every every week and see like they track their favorite baby like how's this baby doing is is this baby surviving you know i, I mean it's it's why like that's and this was this this was the turn of the last century not that long ago what one person ago. ago it took i think 30 or 40 years before hospitals finally got on board and said oh like we should start we should start oh doing this gosh. and you know the, and then so i the doctor i forget his name um I'm not going to remember, but the person who, and I don't even think he was a real doctor, but he, I mean, he had a passion for this. And I think a big part of it was he realized like he was saving babies lives. Yeah. you know, he was saving lives and for sure. And so he got pretty, you know, pretty big and was even lending them to, you know, some early adopting doctors, you know, off season, off the world fair season, That's um, lending his inventory because, you know, for free, because he, you know, again, realized that <laughs> this was so important. So it's just, you know, it's interesting to think that, uh, and let's just say a hundred years ago, a yeah, hundred years yeah. ago, my son was born like that. He would have never survived. No, not at all. Not a chance. Not a chance. Um, and now, you know, he's, he's thriving. Um, that's incredible. So, yeah. I, yeah. It, it, just to think that the, the ingenuity of this one man, um, 
he wouldn't take no for an answer. So he brings it to the World Fair. I mean, imagine if they started doing surgeries and shit like that at our World's Fair, the county fair, right? right. It's like it wouldn't even be, it would be nuts. The grassroots expertise. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but that's like our generation. And I don't mean, yeah, for sure. That's like our generation's Elon Musk, right? So Elon Musk said, uh, you guys aren't doing rockets correctly. You guys aren't doing cars correctly. So I'm going to do it on my own, right? And this yeah. is how I'm going to do it, right? right? So right. it's like that same thought process. Well, fuck you guys. If you're not going to listen or you're not going to step out of the box, well, then I'm going to do it my way, right? Yeah. And and if your son was born 100 years ago, the chances of him living were slim to none, probably, if, probably no. none, yeah. right? Yeah. And and going through that, um, that had to really be a horrific experience. I mean, being a father, this is your first kid, uh, comes out a few pounds, uh, it's not what a normal baby would look like when they come out. So just that. And then you have to be in the hospital for months. What yeah. was that like? You know, it's wild. So uh, first of all, first child, you know, I think I have all the control in the world as far as planning the birthing experience, right? So that's, <laughs> I, I think that's kind of a little bit of the comic relief in this is that maybe tragic comedy, but you know, you, you, you realize like you just, you don't have control over this. Like, great, make a plan. That's important. You know, do come up with some of the things that you think are important to make it a, you know, cause it is a beautiful experience can yeah. be, and should be a beautiful experience. Yes. And even in, in the case of my son, it was still a beautiful experience. Um, but that, yeah, that was lesson number one. Cause we had a whole like water birth, you know, we had a doula, we oh had gosh. all, you know, wanted to go all natural, you know, no drugs. Oh my God. Uh, and it was as opposite as can be an emergency, you know, cesarean. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, you know, we wanted to do the whole delayed cord clamping, you know, to make sure the placenta can get all the, vi- you know, last yeah. vital nutrients. And I, you know, I mean, just all this stuff. So, but it was, it was, yeah, I mean, it was definitely tough. I remember, um, it took me, I think a day before I finally broke down and just started, cr- you know, bawling yeah, like crying for sure. um because i you know i usually like i'm pretty even keeled person in general yes, you are. um but I, and i remember the point where i was sitting outside and i just felt like it finally got to me it was so overwhelming you know i didn't know you know that was the fear of the unknown not knowing you know what's what's going to happen next and probably a you know element of lack of sleep um and i remember just just breaking down and bawling on a bench outside at the hospital and then you know Compo- picking myself, composing myself and walk, walking back in. Uh, and I, I, you know, sometimes you forget how good it feels to cry. Like after oh my a good gosh, cry. Yeah. <laughs> it feels, <laughs> yeah. Yes. Uh, and I have another much. story about a good cry. I had it on an airplane uh, after reading a book. Um, <laughs> Did you really? Yeah. We'll, we'll, awesome. we'll, we'll, we'll jump yeah, to that in yeah. a minute. Um, but, uh, yeah. So it was, um, you know, I think the other thing that went well for us is we had an amazing hospital. This was in, believe it or not, in, in Salmon Creek, Washington. Salmon Creek. Salmon Creek. It's, it's just north of the Columbia River, um, nice. you know, across the border from Oregon uh, in like just north of Vancouver, Washington. I didn't know there was a Vancouver, Washington until, until <laughs> I, no. I moved there. I actually built a house there. That was another fun experience. Oh, shit. I had no idea that. Yeah. That. Yeah. Um, and so <laughs> Salmon Creek, this hospital, it was, I mean, they had, you know, I think some of the best, you know, some of the top experts in the nation in the neonatal you wow. know, unit, they had private rooms. They Shout had, I mean, just got like, it was a, you know, uh, my son was a million dollar birth. Wow. Uh, well, it was over a million dollars and I paid, I, I paid, I think $3,000 out of pocket <sighs> for it. Uh, and circumstantially I, and, and had uh, some of the best insurance at that time, um, uh, with the company I was working on. So that, you know, all thing, you know, when you're going through something that yeah. crazy, 
the last thing you want to have to worry about is, no. is this covered? What's this going to do to me financially? Oh, you know, that's the last thing you want to worry about. And I was luck. I was really fortunate to have good insurance imagine. and be at a good facility. Oh man. Yeah. Imagine if you didn't. Yeah. yeah. Oof. But you made so, it through. Yeah. So I was, that was, that was crazy. Yeah. I think I've mentioned two, two months in the NICU. Yeah. Uh, he came home on my birthday. Yeah. That's July a great 13th. birthday present. Yes. Yeah. Oh, on my birthday. So that was cool. Ah, and how old is he now? Uh, Grayson is seven. Seven oh, years old. Yeah. Seven years ago. In first grade. So congratulations. You know, yeah, it's uh, it's just it seems like, you know, eons ago, and then it also kind of seems like yesterday. You know, I mean, it, in reality, it was yesterday, <laughs> but I can understand uh, eons ago, and um, just going through that traumatic experience. Yeah. Um, and something you said is you 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 are fortunate that you did have good insurance. It was three thousand dollars for a million dollar tab. Uh, imagine all the parents out there going through something very similar, and this is probably happens every single day. Yeah. Um, that have shitty insurance or no insurance. And what was frustrating is looking at you know some of the bills, and you know, and I remembered some of these visits. The doctors would walk in. They'd have a five-minute conversation, and you'd get billed like three thousand dollars for oh that. And I was, you know, I mean, there's, there's, <laughs> there's some broken for sure shit going on. Uh, absolutely, yeah. three minutes, yeah. the five minutes, ten minutes, three thousand dollars. Like, are you fucking kidding me? Yeah. Like, yeah. it's great that you know your your baby and Grayson is alive and um, he's he's doing fantastic, but um, it is absurd. It's yeah. really so absurd. That's, that's that, that's definitely for. And I I know a lot of people share that frustration with you know. I just got an email today, you know, um, with my, you know, my, my healthcare costs, you know, hiked up yeah. like $400 a month. No, absolutely. That's just fucking yeah. insanity, yeah. right? Every yeah. single year, um, it continues to go up and yeah. up and up and up. And it gets to a point where we have so many people that don't have the money to afford it, where we are in this situation where they have shitty to no insurance. Right. And so how do we take care of, uh, the people that are getting older or the younger generation, just in general, from the younger generation to the boomers, right? Right. Um, I, I, yeah. I have no idea what the answer well, is. You know, I know the math is kind of stacked against us with, you know, what we have with generations that are going to be retiring. And then, you know, um, with even a lack of people producing and putting into that system to take care of, you know, we're, we're just we're top heavy on yes. retirees. Yeah. Uh, and and that's going to be a significant problem it, it is. is a problem and it's gonna it's gonna continue to grow like i don't i don't know if we have a solution to <laughs> I, that. I, so. I, I don't think that you and i can figure out yeah. that solution but um uh maybe you but definitely not me no i mean <laughs> you know I, I i mean i nothing's changing no we're not, doing the same shit so it's going to continue to be a problem yeah a hundred percent and it's uh it's it's insanity i mean i fucking hate to say this but the baby boomer generation is the one that created all these fucking problems and the generations before, right? Um, and uh, now they're getting older and meaning we have to take care of them. Like, And it's just like, what do we do? We can't just say fuck them, right? We can't say fuck, fuck you to anyone. Well, yeah, I don't, think, I don't think we should ever say. No, you know, no, definitely not. No, I, definitely not. I think... Um you know, I, I think we there's some there's some positive data that we can look at as well, and that's that um, you know you look at the poverty level worldwide and hunger, and that's come down a significant you know. Absolutely. So I, I think along the way there's yeah. you know, and we look at our technology and you know just controlling disease. Yes. And uh, I mean, hell, look at what we're doing with CRISPR and being able to you know eliminate um, certain genetic you know deficiencies. Absolutely. Um, 
And, uh, you know, but, but, uh, but I agree, uh, you know, I, something's got to change with the system. Of course, um, it, it, the, the system is definitely broken, but just like you said, we are, uh, you know, when just like anything, you, you kind of get pushed into this corner, you either fight your way out or you, you stay in that corner. Right. And, and I do see, um, people like, uh, I believe his name's Boyan slot, uh, created the ocean cleanup crew system. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and his goal is to clean up the, uh, great Pacific garbage patch within five years or half of it. Right? I don't want to get my numbers off. Um, but he's been able to create this device that is definitely getting all the plastic out of the ocean. Right. Um, now, we have tons of people, this millennial generation that is really freaking uh, blowing my mind yeah. uh, away with Just so conscious. many. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I, I do think that we're on the verge of things changing. Um, and it wasn't like, fuck you to the baby boomer generation. Never, 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 <laughs> never, 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 never. Yeah, right. Um, <laughs> fuck <laughs> them. Eat my dust, yeah. bitches. <laughs> fuck you guys. Uh, no, 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 no. That's definitely not, not, not what I meant. But it's just that uh, the point I was going to get at is that he had that generation before us that um, did create a lot of these issues, right? Yeah. And they're getting older. But then we have this generation, you know, our generation, my generation, um, that is really being uh, health conscious and really looking outside of the box and really trying to look at the world in a new way. So I do believe that there is this turning point and we might have, you know, all of these issues, but I, I hopefully, or at least I'm an optimist that we're going to solve a lot of them as yeah, time goes. Yeah, so, no um, you know, the unfortunate part is I, I think we tend to solve a lot of problems when it's hit critical mass. Yep. Uh, and you know, I mean, is that true? It, it, it's yeah. I, I think, I don't think we'll ever kind of dig our way out of, you know, certain, certain ways where we've damaged, um, you know, c- created damage. Uh, <coughs> however, uh, I am, I am hopeful that, you know, um, uh, I am hopeful that, you know, we can solve some of the more significant challenges that are really posing, posing a threat to our existence. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. Cause that's, you know, it's, it's, uh, yeah. I, so just like you, I'm, I'm optimistic. I'm hopeful, uh, that the, the tide will turn. Obviously all the problems are not going to get solved. And yes, we do wait, uh, until it's, uh, about to be too late or sometimes when it is too late. Uh, but I do hope this dynamic shift is happening so that some of these really key issues do get solved. Uh, g- getting back to your story. So after uh, you had your, your first kid, what, what happened to you next? How did you end up in California? Yeah, so um, we, you know, in Pacific Northwest, a uh, lot of weather. And I, I mean, I loved it. I consider that, you know, home almost more than Southern California, although I can't complain. Like, it's beautiful yeah. down here. But I, I just, there's something about, and maybe part of it was my roots. In, For sure. Uh, growing up in in the country, but I lived kind of not in the country. I mean, I lived in a neighbor, a sub- suburban neighborhood, built a house there, but it was also like I lived on, you know, uh, I think almost a half acre, and so there's nice. land. You know, you could see the stars at night, um, <sighs> I and I remember that. in the summertime just looking up at the stars, and you know, uh, you know, I, I I I try to remind myself like how you know to to try to stay connected to nature, and I remember looking up at the stars. Uh, almost every night and be like, this is, this is why I moved here. Yeah. You know, for sure. Um, it's breathtaking if you've never seen it It is. Yeah. And, and, you know, and even in the winter when it's raining, I mean, I don't really let it bother me. I kind of tend to like the cooler weather. For sure. Um, so, uh, however, with a, you know, uh, uh, mom with her first child, um, who, you know, definitely needed, 
uh, some more attention earlier on just because of his, you know, medical, um, issues minor, but you know, he had, I remember his, his reflux, uh, was just awful and so painful for him, you know, um, just cause Terrible. his, uh, gut wasn't developed enough in esophagus to be able to prevent the acid from coming up. So that was, that, that was, that was pretty, you know, pretty rough. Um, but you know, she kind of felt like she didn't really have a good support system. Um, I, I did a great job, loved my job, um, was, you know, I, I don't say working too much. Um, but you know, I also wasn't, we didn't have, she didn't have any help. Yeah. So I think for her and understandably, um, just got too overwhelming. We had family back in California. So we, we decided to move back after a couple, you know, three, four years, nice. um, uh, just, you know, for the family and then no, it makes sense. Yeah. It yeah. makes sense. It's at that, at that point in your life where you had to make that decision. Right. And, um, uh, you definitely made the right decision, um, or at least I like to hope. And and looking at your life now, uh, for as long as I've known you, um, definitely coming back. And if you wouldn't have come back, you wouldn't be yeah. sitting here today. I mean, That's- look, I you know I'm uh, kind of going back to that whole you know kind of create your own your own path. Yeah. I mean, sometimes you know you're influenced by circumstances at play, of course. Um, but uh, you know, if I were to look back at you know possibly having stayed. Um, you know, I, I don't see how I would be any better off than I am now. And I'm, I feel like I'm, you know, uh, order in orders of magnitude in a better situation than I would have been out there. So, you know, no regret, right? For like sure. It's, uh, yeah. and, and who knows? It's hard to say that, right? Of I, course. I of course. Right, right, right now. Not a yeah. fortune teller, but, you know, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm definitely happy with where I'm at. Yeah. Definitely yeah. looking at that, at your life from the, that bird's eye view. Yeah. Right. Um, so after you came back, um, you came to Santa Clarita first or. Yeah. So came well, so <laughs> yes and no. Uh, moved in with my mom. Okay. I'm 30. How old was I when I moved back? 30, uh, 32, I, okay. I want to say. All right. Uh, moved in with my mom with a child and my <laughs> wife at the time. Nice. Um, because we were still trying to sell our house up there. It's the market was much different. I couldn't afford to, to buy a, you know, a house at that point because sure. I had my money locked up in, in, in the house we built. So, um, sold that house finally after I want to say, you know, uh, five or six months and then ended up moving, uh, out of mom's house, out of mom's house, out of mama, out of mom's, mom's, uh, (laughs) 32, 32 years old, making it. (laughs) Yeah. Um, and moved to Santa Clarita. Uh, and one of the reasons we moved there is because, um, my wife at the time, she had friends who lived up there with children and it was also we could get more bang for our buck out there, have a bigger house, big backyard for the kids, stuff like that. Very nice. Um, so, yeah, and that's, you know, moving up there again, great decision because that's how I met you. Yeah, I know. It's, it's just it's, crazy. I wouldn't be sitting here yeah. today <laughs> these things not transpired. Exactly. It's a, uh, it's it's pretty crazy. And then how how long after when you moved back? Um, were you, wait, first off, let me ask this. Uh, what company were you working at? What what were you doing, let's yeah. just say? So in, uh, in, in Portland, I worked at a... a um, you know, managed services, IT consulting company. I was doing, um, you know, strategic consulting for their clients um, at that point. And then when I came back, that's when I joined the company that um, uh, uh, where I ran their security practice. Um, okay. And that was a, a company called um, uh, Calnet Technology Group in uh, uh, Chatsworth. Very nice, very yeah. nice. Yeah. And so that's that's what you were doing for them when you moved back. Um, what year was this? 
I want to say 2012. 2012. Came back in 2012, yeah. Fucking awesome. Nice. And um, and then you stayed with that company for a while. Um, and you had your second kid. I uh, had my second child in 2014. All right. Um, he was he was born in uh, Mission Hills. Very nice. Yeah. Mission Hills. Fine, fine hospital. Uh, definitely a much easier experience. Uh, Were you nervous? Than the first one. Uh, yeah, but, you know, we had also learned a lot since then. We, you know, we had learned why. Um, he, I mean, she shouldn't have been able to, uh, just medically what was going on with her it was a septic uterus. So there was just, it was basically her uterus was half the size that it should be. Gosh. Um, and there was no, like it, it just, it was almost like pregnancy was almost unviable for her. So we got super fortunate with the first and she had a surgery oh. to fix the problem for our second child. So that, you know, wow. Yeah. My mouth is like on the floor right now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's, you know, again, like look at, look at our technology uh, yeah. and that is being able to identify <laughs> that, fix it. And you know, we were able to bring another life into this world. That's incredible. Uh, yeah. They were able to figure out the problem, fix the problem, which then allowed you to have another kid without really any complications or no, it was, yeah, it was, you know, so, yeah. And, and how, smooth. <laughs> how old's your son now? Uh, Liam is five now. There we go. Yeah. Seven, yeah. seven and a five seven year old. Five. Yeah, um, 22 months apart. There we go. Yeah. Congratulations. Um, yeah. so going through all of that, um, then I don't know when, when did we meet 2016, 2017? Um, we probably met somewhere around there. 20, I would say 2016. Yeah. Right yes. around, around there. And I remember at, at the time meeting you, cutting your hair. I was really starting to get into uh, cryptocurrency yes. and, and, and blockchain <laughs> technology. Um, for me, it just like opened my eyes up in ways that um, I, I just I never knew possible. I mean, I really didn't understand finance. I really didn't understand money. And when you know the phrase Bitcoin first you know was shared with me, uh, my friend Tyler Turner shared with me probably in 2015. Um, I said, fuck that. What, what, what is that? Like, just like stupid money. Right. And uh, he goes, just, just buy some on Coinbase. And I was like, I don't know what the fuck that is. Yeah. I was like, forget it. Right. And so then, um, I don't know, six months later, he brought it up again. And then it was probably 2016, 2017 when he brought it up to me and I, I just did it, uh, to shut him up. Right. Um, really had no idea what it was. He goes, just throw 50 bucks into it. And, and then I remember my money, my $50 turned to like 60, 75. I was like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> this is a magic I was like, wait, money machine. I was like, wait a minute. You put a little bit of money yeah. in and it grows. Where's, where's the scam? Yeah. Like, where's, no, yeah. like, like, like straight up. And I was like, what the fuck is this? And then I started looking into Bitcoin and started really understanding about the financial, um, you know, the financial reserve and, uh, you know, just how we print money out of pretty much thin air and yeah. um, how it used to be backed by, at this time, I mean, really leading up to this, I thought the dollar was backed by gold. I mean, you ask a lot of people like, yeah, it's backed by gold. And then you find out, um, you know, Nixon in like 73 fucking threw that out the window. And so now our dollar is backed by literally bullshit. Mm -hmm. um, and then I was like, well, fucking back, Bitcoin, back promises. exactly promises, <laughs> IOUs. And, and so then, and then Bitcoin was created by Satoshi Nakamoto and then the blockchain. And I was like, what the fuck is that? And so I just started diving deeper and I was like, wait a minute, this isn't, you know, like made by some government or owned by a government or like a single person. And, and then you find out, no, it's, it's 
owned by the people, you know, um, that decide to put into it and, and the miners and, and on all of that. And we don't really have to dive deep into that, but it just got me really thinking about, you know, my life and money and, and what it really meant. And, and then I started to learn about Ethereum and I just got really excited. And I I remember talking with you and I don't know, it just kind of like it clicked. Yeah. I was super excited about it at the time. I had not uh, I don't think I had purchased any crypto yeah. when when you and I were talking, but I knew people who had you know who had been holding crypto, uh, and this was when the price was I want to say uh, you know right around like the it was three two three hundred dollar mark yeah. somewhere around there, and then I remember it jumping right around that same time to like seven hundred dollars, and you know that kind of create created a little buzz, um, but yeah, you're I mean you. You know, I have you to thank for, you know, my journey with crypto. And this was, I want to say probably 2016, maybe 2016. I don't don't remember. around there. Whatever it is. Yeah, I'm just, yeah, anyways. But, but, um, uh, but, but it was interesting because had that event not correlated. Yeah. uh, I mean, I, you know, you and I, but we, we made a fuck ton of money yeah it was fucking awesome it was fucking uh, awesome just by you know yeah, getting interested and excited exactly. about it at the, at the right time for sure uh it could have always been earlier yeah i know you always think that uh, always uh, earlier and i could have sold more and then bought back in um but it but it's say a, la but so they, right? <laughs> say la vie um and then i don't remember how it started but i was like uh, i was i was watching all these youtube videos and all this shit and i was like wow well, i, I want to do the same thing you know and um and then like the gold block network was like this this idea that you know that that stemmed from like you know creating education and and letting more people know about you know blockchain technology and cryptocurrencies mm-hmm. and and I uh, and I remember just talking with you and you hopped on board and um, wh- where did it go from there? We like we uh, so I think where I, so we I, I think you and I realized like at a pretty early stage right after spending an hour you know together chatting yeah. while while you're you're cutting my hair um, that you know, they're just our, our minds were like, when you put our minds together, yeah. like beautiful things happen, Absolutely. right? We had super interesting conversations, awesome. uh, super interesting ideas. Uh, I, you know, could tell that just hearing about some of your past experiences that, you, you know, you're not just an idea man that you can also execute. And that's, so that, that brings me to an interesting quote that I remember hearing. This has always stuck with me and it's uh, ideas are a dime a dozen. Yeah. Uh, but it's, you know, those who can execute, um, you know, are the ones who are going to be successful, right? It comes down to execution at the end of the day. So much. And so, you know, I, I, I think that the combination of, of us realizing, you know, who we are, our personalities, and just, I mean, having a great time together, no matter Fuck what, yeah. having, you know, amazing conversations. Yeah, I think you, you, you know, you were very, you're an, you, you're an amazing uh, educator. I mean, an amazing person. But where I think you do just a phenomenal job is you can connect with people and in a way that is like helping them, almost like mentoring them and Thank educating you. them in an amazing way. And I think that's where you got the idea. You're like, look, Bitcoin is, you know, it's a revolution. Yeah. Blockchain is, is a revolution. Like, you know, this is, I think it's, you know, important for uh, us to, you know, um, number one, be involved in this just because it's such an exciting realm, uh, but be involved in a way that uh, contributes and, you know, uh, help, you know, educates people. And, and so you, I, I think you brought that idea up to me and I'm like, 
Sign me up, dude. How can, what could I do? <laughs> like, fuck it. Let's do yeah, it. Let's yeah, do it. Yeah, and, so that was fun. <laughs> it was. And I remember uh, filming our first video uh, <laughs> down in San Diego. Man, we yeah. got we got so into it. We uh, we got all, like, the poster boards out, and we uh, got our camera, and we, like, did all these different, like, unique shots and then built this whole just, like, introduction. Scouted the town. We scouted yeah, the scripts. town. I mean, like, we were, like, real deal producers, or at least we thought at the time. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and it, but it was so much fun, yeah. you know, just really going through that process, putting it together um, and 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 just fucking doing it. Right. And although it didn't work out, we can still look back at those videos. We can still look back at that time um, and, and be really proud of ourselves. Right. I mean, it worked out. It was a project. It did. We did a project yeah. for a period of time. And, you know, I don't think we were going in there trying to make a million. That bucks, is true. That is know, true. Or a billion dollars no. these days. Um, but <laughs> so uh, yeah, it was, you know, you know, um, I, it was it was a great experience. It was. It was. We set our yeah. mind to it and we fucking did it right. Yeah. And still to this day, on my Facebook, we get like dings, like uh, two views, ten views, yeah. twenty views on the on the videos. And uh, so, so for for your listeners, the premise is yeah. we were you know putting together um, you know uh, uh, epis you know episodic series on you know both kind of the you know, uh, history behind, you know, what, what is Bitcoin? Why is it so important? And then, um, you know, also just having kind of update, you know, conversations around what's going on. Why is this important? What does this mean? Absolutely. And then another sidetrack where, uh, it was, uh, how to convert your 401k to Bitcoin, which is something that I did. Absolutely. And I'm very thankful that I did that for, for sure. Uh, and, uh, I, I don't think we got, too far down that track uh, before, you know, I think both of our lives got a little too busy um, on a personal front, but uh, but yeah. But it was still phenomenal. Yeah, it was pretty cool. And it's so crazy how easy these things are now and like just the wide reach of of uh, the, the whole community and and yes, it fucking shot up to like twenty thousand dollars and then came down and hit like fourteen grand in twenty nineteen, went to like seven or eight, whatever the hell it is right now, right? Um, but it's not this isn't something that's going to be this short term, make you fucking a millionaire. This is a long term idea of putting the financial um, putting finances back into your own pocket, being able to really be in control of your own money. Yeah. And I do believe that the uh, generation um, after me, Generation Z or whatever the heck they're called, um, they're the ones that everything is digital. Everything they do, yeah. you know, millennials. That's all they know. That's yeah. all they know. Millennials yeah. grew up before it <clears throat> and into it, right? Yeah. Um, where this generation, this is all they know, right? Mm-hmm. And as you have places like uh, what's happening in Hong Kong, in uh, Syria, Venezuela, all these just financial catastrophes, and um, and just being able to be in control yeah, of your Zimbabwe. own self, <laughs> Zimbabwe, right? Um, this idea of Bitcoin and uh, putting money on the blockchain um it will be whatever it is if it's bitcoin or something that we don't even know right now there will be something um in the years to come well what are some of the key points to me it's a third of the bank a third of the world is unbankable right roughly give or take right yes and and so what this does is it's it's something that you know anyone anyone save you know have their own money then there's you have remittance right no intermediary no fees you know uh no conversion like you just you have your you know you send bitcoin from point a to point b and it retains you know nearly all its value minus you know gas fees stuff like that uh and then you have the um the fact that it is a um 
non what would you call it non it doesn't depreciate oh my god why uh, am i drawing a blank uh, yeah, deflationary been, de- deflationary yeah, currency yeah like, so you know no one's no one can print more in fact it's a limited resource 21 million. 21 million many of those are already lost making yep. it probably that much more valuable um you know if it is looked at in the right way uh and then at the at the very end of it at the stem of it you have blockchain which is just this powerhouse of a thing that can you know solve so many problems um, and whether or not bitcoin is be- going to be a form of currency whatever um blockchain is here to stay Blockchain's here to stay i, I do think bitcoin I-, I still believe in bitcoin as Me a too. store of value Absolutely. because of that you know def- yeah. this deflationary currency oh things. for sure i i'm a huge believer in bitcoin yeah. i still invest a little bit every single month into it um still holding on to mine and uh, that but that, that being said it's like one third of the bank is unbanked or one third of the population is unbankable so what the fuck, yeah, man? Right. You know these these microtransactions. Let's people, serve everyone. Absolutely, right? People don't realize that you know a lot of these people. When we say a third of the world is unbankable, that's people living off of less than two dollars a day, mm. right? In some places, two dollars a week, two dollars a month, right? And if you can't, uh, you know, the the cost of a transaction on like a you know visa on forty cents is just insanity, right? Um, it's not even worth it. And a lot of times, you can't even do transactions that low. Uh, well, what does that mean for people that live off of less than $2 a day? So we need to be able to find ways that really puts the power back into the people and the thought of a deflationary currency. Well, the, the U.S. dollar, they print uh, millions and millions and billions of it, you know, every single year. Yeah. Um, so when you're t- when you're talking about something that there's only 21 million of them. Um, and that's all there will ever be. And then some of them already been lost. Well, what does that do long term, right? For, you know, one individual Bitcoin and people don't, a lot of people don't realize it's like, you don't have to just invest or buy one Bitcoin. You can buy, Actions. you can go on Square, the Square Cash app and buy like a dollar's worth of Bitcoin, right? So uh, these microtransactions that really open up the doors to these people that are unbankable, well, now this can really change the paradigm because once you include these people into the uh, that this free market system that we have well what it, what does it do then it gives them possibility yeah. it gives them the the chance to really be a part of this whole ecosystem um, and they've really not been served for a very long time right. but with the uh, financial tech revolution that is happening before our eyes um, I do believe that these people we will become more and more included um, and so uh, for me cryptocurrency and blockchain technology, revolutionized my whole entire life. I never thought about uh, even stocks. I never thought about really, you know, saving other than like cash and, um, you know, different places to put my money. So my yeah, money it makes tuned money. you into the world of, you know, it, investing for your future. Exactly. Yeah. Education, yeah. man, is the key. And we're not teaching, uh, you know, kids. I never learned this from uh, in high school. Yeah. But uh, yeah, you learn, you know, history, uh, yeah. which uh, don't get me wrong. History is important. It is. But however, like, come on, like there's, you know, there are history is very very important, but like, uh, there's just so many things that they teach, um, in school that you get to a point when you're in, uh, 10th, 11th, 12th grade, you gotta be, you have to be teaching people life skills. It's like, sure. All of this other shit is important, but if they do not even know how to, uh, you know, I was going to say balance a checkbook, but checkbooks are slowly, but surely getting thrown out the window. Um, if they don't know how to do their uh, taxes, do their taxes, invest for the future, make a fucking do their laundry, fucking make food. Um, uh, the, uh, 
freaking put things up on the wall, whatever the heck it is, right? Uh, really get people and not rely on YouTube to teach exactly. And and then, but fuck, man, YouTube's amazing. <laughs> but why should nobody? You're being yeah. serious. It's like why do people have to rely on YouTube? These young kids, if we can't get them ready and prepared for the real world, yeah, what else are we going to do? Yeah. And you have other countries um, like the Netherlands when they turn 16 years old, they go to a trade school for two years and they go stay um, um, <clears throat> like on, I don't know, like dorms or things like that. And I could be wrong about that, but I know once they hit 16, they do go to a trade school for two years before they go into a university. Mm-hmm. And this trade school does set them up for real world uh, ideas, real world tactics and get them prepared so that when they do go into a university, um, they know how to live and be prepared for their life. Um, I had a good friend, um, I have a good friend, Olivia. She's from the Netherlands. And um, that's exactly what she was talking about. And and this is just what we're lacking in the United States of America is um, really educating these kids for the real world because there comes a time and a place where, you know, history and English and math and science, they're very important. But if they don't have the basic necessities and tools to become uh, a real human being, yeah. uh, all those things can get thrown out the window. Yeah, I think just generally as a culture, we um, are really good at addressing, pro- this goes back to like, you know, fixing problems when they're at a critical mass, is addressing problems, you know, at the surface. Um, and we're, we're not really good at looking at, you know, fixing root cause. Yep. Um, and so things like, you know, investing more in our teachers and our education system versus, you know, whatever it is, you know, I don't want to get into a political conversation no, necessarily, but, but um, you know, if we were as, uh, you know, I think as humans and maybe even culturally, you know, we are, are not as good as some other cultures as, as, you know, really kind of making long-term investments into, you know, some of these larger issues, which they're not going to get fixed immediately. No, they're, but, de- they're definitely but we're not. not. We're not even addressing them at all. Right no, now, if you don't address as, it. As far as I'm aware. No, that's a fact. And so we just have all of these things thrown at us right now. And it's, it's where is the U.S. going? Um, in my opinion, if we don't get this shit taken care of, like if we don't really start investing into um, our teachers, um, in, into into creating new ways to get our younger generation ready for the real world and so many other things um you have you have different cultures like uh, like china for instance um that it, it, people say this all the time but they're going to become the dominant force oh no doubt uh, so they own 5g yeah so they own the global and that's information they own information now uh we're i i, I believe china's our single biggest threat uh i believe that People should start learning Chinese. Uh, I'm Mandarin. No, 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 but it's it's true. You know, yeah. No, but you're not joking. I I, I think, um, yeah, I I think there's going to be, I think the next 10 years are going to be a very interesting shift for Americans. Yes. um, Because I think we're going to start to see in significant ways, um, you know, uh, uh, us kind of shift away from a global power to, you know, uh, competing, right? Yeah. There's going to be other people grabbing that steering wheel pretty soon. For sure. I mean, uh, and they they already are. But, oh, abso- abso- absolutely. Um, you have China creating their own crypto, right? Yeah. Uh, their, their own digital currency. Yeah. Uh, why? Because they want to bypass the U.S. dollar. Uh, right now, the world's reserve currency, if you will, is the U.S. dollar. And um, by creating this um, digital currency, well, now allows them to transact with other countries that uh, they 
wouldn't normally, uh, you know, do in the way they would because they would be using the U.S. dollar. So if they can use a digital currency that's backed by the 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 yuan, or I think that's how you pronounce it, um, uh, then you start to uh, get these other countries thinking, okay, well, I don't need the the U.S. dollar. I can start using this. Um, and you have China investing into, uh, you know, other, you have them investing into like African countries, building uh, roads, building roads yeah. uh, really helping build their infrastructure, building roads that lead back to China. Right. Uh, Building that exactly, yeah. building yeah. that road from them to Iran. Uh, it, the, my my thought process behind that is like um, you know back in the '60s when we built the the interstate highways and we built um, you know the, the the roads that led the east to the west and the west to the east. We had this huge dynamic change in America that we had not seen up until this point. Really, really building up towns and cities that um, if there wasn't any type of uh, transportation routes, uh, they would have never gotten built up. So. So you take uh, someone like China, who's investing into these African countries, um, investing into building that road to Iran. Growth is going to just just skyrocket skyrocket for them, for China. And then what do you have 50 years down the road? Who are they going to back when some shit goes wrong? The people that invested into them or the country that said me, 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 right? So uh, yeah, there's this huge paradigm shift. And and even getting back to your point with 5G, 5G is the future, right? And if we don't have any control on that, well, who controls the information? I don't know. You would know. Yeah. You would you would know more than me. So, um, <clears throat> before we um, talk a little bit about cybersecurity, um, looking back at everything uh, in your life, uh, did you always know that you wanted to get into cybersecurity? Um, I think I was always interested. I remember, uh, you know, when the internet was just starting to you know, become popular. Um, you know, I remember having, you know, be, being into computers pretty immediately. I loved to, as a kid, take things apart and put them back together. There we go. Um, and with computers, you know, and, and then you add the internet to that, there was just all of a sudden this just kind of, to me, uh, really interesting world where I discovered if you knew a little bit more than most people, you could manipulate the system a little bit, right? Yeah. You could, you know, you could do things that it almost, you, you know, you almost felt, you know, you had this feeling of like power almost, right? Where yeah. you were a, uh, you know, expert and could kind of just own this, this, this space that other people were, were, you know, also involved in. Um, and, and I would, I wouldn't ever consider myself a hacker. I'm not, um, I, I never really went down that road too much. Um, I, I don't think I had the patience, you know, f- to be a developer and, and that's where I think, you know, you really need to focus a lot of, you need to be a pretty good, you know, software writer, um, and understand, you know, computer code and language to be a, a proficient hacker. Yeah. Um, but I, I got really interested in just the, you know, yeah, connecting and controlling your environment at basic levels. And I remember, you know, having a computer in my room and staying up all night, just playing around and exploring. And and I think this was even before, you know, America online and doing, you know, bulletin board systems and that's incredible. Um, and, uh, you know, then you just, you download stuff, you know, that, uh, uh, you know, I I don't want to, um, 
you know, uh, make any, any statements that uh, I did illegal things. Um, but you know, it was, I mean, we, you know, I, I had a blast and then I got together with, you know, a group of friends and then we were, you know, at a certain point, look, we were teenagers. So we for sure caused a little havoc on, you know, America online and, st- and, you know, did, you know, some silly stuff with, with credit cards, uh, <laughs> But, it, it, you know, so I was just I was just always kind of interested in that aspect. Um, and then as as I got older, um, you know, in high school, I wasn't, uh, you know, I, 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 I wasn't a very focused student. Um, I, I generally did pretty well on tests. And so I, you know, I got by. But I was, you know, also, I think, immature a little bit um, during high school and, you know, wanted to skateboard with my friends for sure and, you know like like many many people but i, I wasn't a disciplined student Absolutely. during high school uh, now that, that you know after high school i went to community college because you know i wasn't very disciplined student so that was kind of my best option i don't even think i took the sats uh well, i know i didn't take the SATs. <laughs> um and uh it wasn't until um you know uh, probably a year a year and a half after um, I was in community college that, um, you know, my mom looking at, she wants to, you know, like I was, you know, living, uh, living at, at home, going to community college. She's like, Hey, uh, there's this trade school, ITT tech, uh, you know, and I was still interested in computers, but not spending a ton of my time there. Um, I'm like, okay, that sounds interesting. Like I'll, I'll check it out. Cause you know, when you don't have purpose, I didn't have purpose. I, sure. I didn't, I wasn't full. Um, so I started going to school almost immediately after, you know, got a, um, a job at a, a startup company. It was a really interesting company. Um, they made uh, touchscreen computers that got put in the cockpit of aircraft wow. that digitized everything. So you'd have your, you know, when you're flying into airports, your approach plates um, and your maps and telling you what angle, what runway, all that stuff, which traditionally was paper. And you have this big book you have to carry around that no gets updated way. every, like, you know, two weeks. So you have to go into the binder, you have to replace the updates and all that oh stuff. Oh my gosh. And, you know, and so these things are becoming digitized, your logbooks, in-flight weather, you know, lightning strike, I think costs, you know, an air, airline $11,000 every time they get hit with a lightning. So if they can avoid weather, you know, and lightning strikes, you know, it saves them quite a bit of money. For sure. Um, and so when I got, when I started with this company, you know, I just, I was going to school, um, you know, for, I think the program was an associate's degree for computer networking. And I got to set up their whole network. I got, I was their, you know, technical support. I would configure all the machines. I would ship them out. I was operations. And then the company, you know, grew. Um, we started developing our own hardware. So I was wow. working with the manufacturers, doing all the specs, uh, I, you know, get to try and got in dabbled in sales a little bit, got to travel to, you know, we were pitching American airlines for multi-million dollar deals. I got to participate in that. And I was pretty, you know, I was pretty green. Uh, I was, you know, in my young twenties and this is just still going to school full time. And I was, Oh wow. I was nice. working. So I was going to school at night full time, um, and working, you know, a good 60, sometimes like 70 hours a week. So I was, I was killing myself, but I was, you know, I was, I was, I had purpose. Like I, I really sure. enjoyed it. And this was, I think my first, you know, what I would call career, right? Yeah. Part of that, I worked at Macy's, uh, worked at pickup sticks. Nice. Uh, for a brief, brief time period. <laughs> Could only sustain, you for know, sure. coming home smelling <laughs> like cream cheese wontons and uh, Szechuan. So tasty. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, uh, but yeah, so this is my first kind of career and, um, 
And there's always still an interest of cybersecurity, although, you know, I was mostly focused on just kind of the setting up business systems and email servers and, you know, domain controllers. And and I was kind of learning that same stuff. And so after the associate program ended, um, they had just developed a uh, information system security program. So I actually got my bachelor's degree wow. with a focus on cybersecurity. That's incredible. Um, and uh, coming out of that um, program, you know, I was still doing a lot of, um, I think at the time then when I graduated, yeah, I was still working at that first startup company. They eventually went belly up because iPads came out and completely Changed destroyed everything. their business. Yeah. You know, $8,000 computer no longer made sense. Not at all. Um, so was that while you were there? Uh, no, I, I left, I left that company. Um, I left the company before they went belly up, but I did have a significant amount of stock that, you know, I was sad to see oh, know, no. turn, turn, you know, into dust. Uh, but that's, you know, that's all right. Right. That yeah. was my first job. Like, what, what am I, well, yeah. you know, I, I can't expect to become a millionaire on, you know, my first round. Um, but it would have been so nice. It would have been so nice. <laughs> I totally agree. So, uh, yeah. So I, um, you know, after I left that company, um, kind of joined up with a buddy of mine who was doing residential IT services, uh, with my experience in business systems, I'm like, you know, let's, let's help build, you know, your, you know, let's, let's help build, uh, the business and get more into, to, you know, business customers. And so I did that for, about a year before a business then bought us out and had me come on to lead, you know, to do that same thing for them. Very nice. Yeah. So this was, you know, again, as you know, this is my second kind of startup experience for sure. right? at a yeah. pretty young age, did that for a while. And that's when I decided, you know, to, uh, um, basically ran a, you know, managed services uh, company, a small one in Orange County. Um, you know, I think we were only about six people by the time I left. Um, and that's when, you know, I didn't have kids and I'm like, you know, wanted to try something new, get out of Dodge. And that's when I moved to Oregon with, uh, uh, with my wife at the time, wow. uh, leaving that company and joining another, you know, larger managed services company, it services company. And how, how old were you then? Um, 29, 29, 29. Yes. 29. How old were you when you had your first kid? Um, 20, 32. 32. Yeah, 32. There we go. Yeah. It's a perfect age. Yeah. You know, got I mean, you know, it is what it is <laughs> for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. But I'm, yeah. Uh, I, you know, it's, uh, I think it's, it's a good age because I'm, you know, I think I can be, you know, a rad dad, right. I'm yeah. stable. Uh, and you know, I have the patience and the, you know, mental aptitude to give them the best life, which is my number one goal. Oh, for sure. So. Do you wish you had kids younger? Uh, no, I mean, I, you know, no, no regrets. I, I wish, you know, life didn't go as planned. Right. I wish, <laughs> I wish I would have had children with someone who, uh, you know, I'd, could still grow with. I mean, who, you know, who yeah, wouldn't, right. Of course. Um, and, uh, it's unfortunate, but at the same time, it's, you know, no, like I, I, I love my life. I love how I'm set up right now. And you're in a, and you're in a good position now. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, going through all of that, um, you know, you went through the divorce as a kid, you've gone through your own divorce. 
Um, but knowing and understanding that it was the right decision, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, and um, it is unfortunate that you can't grow, but um, who knows what the future holds for you, man? Right, right. Yeah, you never Abs- know. Absolutely. And you're like you said, you're a rad dad. <laughs> so and it's true. You're a rad dad. You're, yeah, you're my, fucking my, awesome. My man. little pat on the the back. <laughs> but it, you know, it's I, I I do take a lot of pride in you know um, I, they're my I think my biggest you know, project, my biggest challenge, my, my, you know, they're my biggest business that I have to make the most successful, you know, that. out of everything. And it's, you know, it's, that's my personal challenge. Fuck, that's awesome. Yeah. I, I want more people to look at, uh, their kids like that, yeah. you know, uh, what you just said, hit the nail on the head as they grow older. Uh, how important is teaching them about cybersecurity? I mean, you know, I, I don't think as long as we have technology, it's going to be an issue. Um, you know, that World War Three is going on. You know, um, with, you know, not missiles and rockets, but ones and zeros. Yes. Um, you know, we have nation states attacking everyone. Everyone. <laughs> um, you know, China, North Korea, Russia are probably some of the top you know threats right now. For Iran sure. has a pretty sophisticated you know um, uh, program as well, um, and you know. Uh, I mean, I, I think it's, it's, it's always going to be an issue, um, in some way, shape, you know, or, uh, a form. And so, which brings me to what, what I'm doing right now. And that's, I work at a company called Ningio and we do, uh, security awareness training. Um, and the best way I'd like to describe it is we make cartoons to educate people how not to get hacked. There we go. When you look at the statistics, uh, I think it's over 90, maybe 93% is the last statistic. Um, and 93% of breaches, you know, uh, human factor, um, yeah. And so, you know, people are not hacking systems. I mean, they still are, but they're essentially, the target is people, right? That's the attack vector is people, social engineering, uh, email scams, um, you know, financial scams, wire money, fraud, um, business email compromise, getting someone's password and, you know, causing havoc. And so the company I'm working with, and this was, this, this was kind of my, you know, what led me here is when I was running my own company, one of the things, and actually before that, I'll back up. Um, when I was doing just, I, you know, it or, you know, supporting businesses, they would get hacked, right? And wow. nine out of 10 times, it was because you know someone opened up an email, clicked on a link and launched ransomware that locked all their systems. That's or simple. someone wired money um, because they got an email that looked like it came from their boss and it was an urgent email and they, they did it just out of human nature. We are gullible creatures. Yes. I am in that same category, For sure. right? Yeah. Uh, I'm not gonna um, suggest that I'm not gullible, but, um, and so, you know, going through that and seeing kind of, you know, it's a devastating process for a business and for the people who are involved. Yeah. Um, you know, I can share some personal stories where, you know, in one case, a company almost lost $10 million in, yeah, in a, in a hack. Another company, uh, lost 147 unrecoverable, $250,000 unrecoverable. And they're people who wired money following instructions, what they thought. And then at, you know, um, I mean, how would you feel as, you know, being responsible for potentially, you know, companies go out of business. I just read a story. It was a, wow. Was it a manufacturing company somewhere? I I don't remember the details, but they uh, got ransomware and their systems were locked for long enough where they shut the doors and 30 employees are, are now, um, don't have a job. 
It's not serious. It's not serious. Yeah. It's I mean, it is, it is, it is a matter of livelihood and, um, and so, yeah. So see, you know, seeing this, um, in almost on, on, on almost a regular occasion, like what's, what's, you know, why is this happening? And my yeah. founder and CEO of Ninjio, Zach Schuler, he, um, he, you know, he saw that as well, having, you know, seen it through the same lens of running a managed services company. And, you know, when you look at the statistics and, and, and realize that, you know, you have, uh, the problem is people, people are not properly trained to yeah. prevent attacks and hackers are targeting people. So he started this company and, uh, in 2015, um, and, uh, you know, he solved, you know, basically a couple core problems with how, you know, why this is such a problem today. The first is, uh, the human attention span, right? We have, yep. uh, I, I think the human attention span is, uh, down to six seconds <laughs> from the last study, which is, you know, less than that of a caterpillar. That's um, insane. yeah, a caterpillar's attention span is I think eight seconds. Um, and then I mean, they're, you know, and so the, the pundits say social media is to blame, right? I mean, we, we all know that yeah. it's, it's actually rewiring our brains. Um, uh, you know, there's even studies coming out saying that millennials entering the workforce and uh, I want to say 2024, they are going to have a two to four second attention span. So when, when you look at training, that's lecture based telling you not, you know, not to click on this, this is what a phishing email looks like. It's not working. Clearly not it's not working. Not at all. Um, uh, the second problem is that, you know, hackers are innovating every day, uh, and coming up with new threats. So, you know, having, um, uh, coming up with new content all the time. And one of the things that we do is we release a new episode every 30 days that is stays, you know, it's top of mind. It's new, it's fresh. It's covering a real significant breach or scam that has, you know, happened recently. So people can, you know, kind of relate to it. Right. Um, and, uh, um, yeah. And then, and then, you know, the, the other issue is frequency. I mean, I think, you know, a lot of companies, they look at their cybersecurity training program and traditionally it's, they take 45 minutes once a year and that's it. That's it. And they're required to do that for compliance reasons, right? They check the box, that's it. But that does nothing for someone who, you know, number one has to remember something. Um, and number two, you know, has to be mindful of it every single second. They have to be vigilant uh, and, you know, be thinking of this and almost, you know, um, uh, you, you and I have an, uh, you know, we have a, an identity. It's who we are. Absolutely. And I think most people, they have this identity of physical security where, mm -hmm. you know, you lock your door when you leave your house, you, you know, pick up your purse or wallet when you leave a restaurant, lock your car when you go to the grocery store. But what we don't have is a digital security identity built into us. And so one of the things that we're really trying to do is create a paradigm shift where, um, and, and so what we do is we make three to four minute, um, uh, Hollywood style storytelling cartoons wow. and we release a new one every 30 days that, you know, it's an engaging story. Um, and there's a single teachable moment and attack vector that we focus on that is, you know, again, relevant and pulled kind of right from the headlines. Um, and, uh, and, you know, through that, through delivering, you know, with frequency, keeping it top of mind, keeping it engaging and interesting, uh, we feel we're making a, you know, a pretty big impact in, you know, not only making cybersecurity fun and engaging for Absolutely. people who don't really, you know, let's be real. Like they don't care about it. They want to no. get their paycheck and they're, you know, um, and, uh, 
um, you know, and, and by, by creating frequency and not having it a one time 45 minute once a year deal, you know, it's, it's memorable. Um, for sure. And there's a lot of other stuff that goes behind it that, you know, it's, it's, it's a methodology that, you know, makes it fun and engaging. Another cool thing that we do is, uh, it's called family use rights and it's almost like the social media effect. We feel like if people feel like it's a, it's an employee benefit where they can share it, also share it with their family. Cause these same things affect, you know, children they affect you know Everyone. home computers they affect you know it's it's all the same lessons that we need to kind of again have that digital security paradigm shift in our mind um and we feel that if we can give it and we give it our clients have it for free for their family right they can share it with their friends friends and family That's incredible. and so they can talk about it around the dinner table hey did you you know see the last episode of you know the um, you know, what did you think? Have you seen that threat before? And, you know, maybe it doesn't happen in, you know, in, in practice, but it has happened and I think does, uh, facilitate for a more powerful, you know, Absolutely. lesson message and then ultimately shifting to a new identity. Absolutely. Right? Stimulates conversation. Yeah. I mean, what you guys have been able to do, just the, the thought of, uh, looking at this in a new way, right? If, if 45 minutes is the typical standard every single year, right? These companies do. But what you guys do is break it down into few minute segments, micro Hollywood learning. style, yep. micro learning. So really uh, taking what you understand about uh, the attention span, six seconds, right? Uh, blowing it up to that Hollywood production style. So it's cool, funny, and engaging. And just a few minute sound bites, right? That oh can really shift where we're at because our digital identity is not looked at as our physical identity, but we can lose just as much, if not more at times. Well, our direct. lives are digital. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 100. So we almost need to think less about the physical For sure. part of it as we grow into this. And you know, what's interesting. We've done a lot of research on neuroscience and how people learn and just cybersecurity and how people view cybersecurity um, that has, you know, really helped us develop and get to where we're at. We've even done, you know, studies around, you know, the use of comedy in cybersecurity and why, you know, what, what some of the, you know, issues can be associated with that. Um, and you know, we've, there's been a lot of interesting things. I think you mentioned that you saw that explained series, yeah, how the brain absolutely. works. Um, you know, even looking at that and they talk about your, in your hippocampus, you have your, uh, your, what is it? Uh, amygdala yeah. and, um, I know what you're talking about, uh, but. Anyways, I'm not going to, I'm not a neuroscientist, no, 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 I, I, uh, yeah. but, but it's, it's how people store, you know, meaningful memories. Um, and you know, there's a couple different elements that need to be involved to do that. And we're trying to, you know, uh, create our content and our, uh, delivery around how the brain works, how people work, how the world works, wow. um, which just, it hasn't been done before. No, not at um, all. And not at all. So, and we're growing pretty quickly. It's a fun really fun business to, to be in. I think I was telling you before the podcast, I'm uh, going to fly out to um, London and Turkey at the end of the month to visit with some strategic partners. That's um, awesome. uh, you know, we might have an opportunity to grow with and, and uh, you know, it's just, um, yeah, it's, it's a, it's a fun, fun business. Really shifting the way that people think about, uh, you know, cybersecurity. I mean, yeah. this is becoming more and more of an issue. Uh, my wife always makes fun of me because, uh, my passwords are so fucking long and I put two FA on everything and I try to, uh, just really be on top of, uh, you know, what I'm doing, where I'm going, you know, just utilizing, you know, a VPN, really simple things that we can do to, to help us out. What are some of the 
just most basic things that the everyday individual can do to make sure that they're staying safe on a day-to-day basis? Yeah. Um, a couple things. Uh, I think, you know, you, you hit on, on some of those passwords, uh, length is key, right? Um, I mean, complexity fine, but if you have a short complex password, um, you know, it's, it's going to get broken way faster than if you have a long non-complex password, like a passphrase. Yeah. You know, I love going to Disneyland. There we go. Right. Um, with spaces and stuff like that, if For they sure. allow it. Um, and so, and there's even websites you can go on, um, you know, how secure is my password and type it in and test. And it'll actually tell you with today's technology, how long it would take to crack that password. And you go from it, you know, at a certain point, you know, it, going from eight characters, which, you know, I think can be cracked in, you know, a matter of minutes to 14 characters, you know, 247 trillion years. Right. <laughs> I, I mean, I don't know no, if no, that's but actually it. it, but it's, you know, it's significant, right? For sure. Length is king. Um, multi-factor authentication. Um, that's also anywhere you can use it, especially banks. Um, but I think here's an important takeaway and that's, um, you know, text messaging. Cause we're seeing a lot of hacks where people take over someone's, you know, um, a, a SIM card like SIM and they can receive the text message. Not only that, um, we're seeing hacks that are a little more sophisticated and people are actually creating a proxy website where you think you're logged on to your bank. Um, you input your username and password. It forwards you to their two factor um, and you put in the two factor that you've received, you know, already. And, um, and then, you know, but by proxy, a hacker's like watching this happen and has control of the screen and, um, you know, uh, it, but, but, uh, uh, having a two factor app like Google authenticator, yes. um, is, is key, uh, right. Because text message is just, it's not secure. No, um, not at all. You know, our government even says don't use it. For um, sure. And, uh, you know, just good cybersecurity hygiene is, you know, being, um, you know, being mindful, looking at, you know, uh, don't open up an attachment if you don't know where it came from. Uh, trust, but verify call, right? If someone, if there's any sort of financial tra- transaction happening, I don't care what it is, you know, do not, if it seems weird or if it's a significant amount of money, pick up the phone and call if it's been done through email or text message. Um, cause you know, there's a lot of, scams that are happening. Um, a pretty popular one lately is gift card scam where someone, um, will send an email and this actually happened to us. One of our newer employees, um, he was (laughs) seconds away from, from, um, uh, falling victim to a gift card scam. And it's funny, you know, we're, we, we get targeted, you know, the the faster we grow and this was a new employee. So they weren't, you know, trained and up to speed. But what happens is, uh, someone um, spoofs an email from the CEO and probably through LinkedIn, they saw that this person is a new employee. And because it was also around Christmas time, uh, you know, holidays, it was, uh, uh, um, uh, I think, ripe for the attack. And what they say is, you know, it comes from the CEO. Uh, hey, can you do a special project for me? So they respond, yes. Um, what do you need? Uh I am, you know, I'm about to walk into a meeting right now. Uh, I need you to buy me, you know, buy uh, whatever it is, 20, you know, gift cards at, you know, $500 each. um, And I'm going to give them to the employees for, you know, for a gift. Wow. And, but I need this done in one hour. Right. So it creates a sense of urgency. Yes, it does. Um, and so our new employee got this. They, you know, they, they did their home. They knew that he was a new employee. They knew who the CEO was. 
they, you know, pulled on those um, yeah. heartstrings of, For you know, sure. someone being new to a company and wanting to, you know, perform. And he legit, he, he got the corporate credit card, uh, jammed it to Best Buy and then, um, and was at the counter and he texted just because he knew the company that we were at. And I think he had seen one or two of our videos, you know, um, so far, I mean, he was days in, right. Yeah. He was, he was fresh, uh, texted our CEO and said, Hey, before I do this, I just want to make sure that, you know, this, wow. you really made this request. And I mean, he was playing golf. Like he, you know, he, w- I don't, I don't know if he would have been, you know, he luckily saw the message and said, no, I definitely didn't say Wow. That. And so, uh, seconds he, away, seconds away from falling victim. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So it can even happen. It can happen to anyone. Oh, yeah. And it happens all the wild. time. It happens all the time. Yeah. And so those are just simple ways that people, um, can be safe, right? Trust, but verify two factor authentication, not through text message, use something like a Google authenticator, um, uh, get, and get a password management app. Um, don't recycle passwords. A lot of times companies, you know, like LinkedIn has gotten hacked and all of a sudden a hacker has an email address and a password, right? And so what they're going to do is they'll, you know, spray that password uh, and email address across many, many, many sites to see, you know, where they can get in if someone has reused the same email address and password, which I'm even, I've done that. Yeah. Um, but now I have a password management program where every password is unique, every password is long, and um, and it's relatively easy to change through the app if I if I feel like I need to. For sure, um, absolutely. So you just have to remember that one password for that one app, uh, and that's and, that, right? Yeah, make make yeah. sure it's long, right? right. Make sure make it's sure long. it's that's make right. sure it's long. Yeah. Wow, that's uh, these are great freaking tips, man. Because as we move more and more into this digital realm, um, I really hope that people start to take. Uh, their digital identity as serious as they do as their physical identity um, because you can, you can lose everything. Yeah. And uh, who knows what, what, what will happen, right? They drain your account of thousands, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of dollars. Happens all the time. So what, what, are you, what are you gonna do, right? Um, and this is happening everywhere. Every, everywhere. Um, what are some, I don't know, what are some other things that you see in the future happening um, to companies, people, businesses? Like, where, where is this really going? Are, are companies going to be more aware and use your guys' education system? Are they going to continue yeah. and use the 45-minute long method? You know, I, I, think, I think it's a, always a process um, whereby you have companies that, you know, have leadership that understand the issue and they implement, you know, the right incremental changes to, to help. I mean, there's nothing's a hundred percent, especially when you have nation states, when they want to, they're going to get it. I mean, you look at like the political campaigns that have been hacked. It's insanity, man. uh, you know, in the previous elections, um, you know, I bet you they're probably pretty secure. Well, maybe, I mean, there's a lot of attempts, you know, going in and out of that. Um, but, but when you have an adversary, uh, adversary that's, that's as sophisticated as they are in, at the nation state level, there's really not much you can do. It's no. just, you know, I think, I think encryption is important, right? Absolutely. And this is getting a little, uh, on the more technical side, but encryption is, is king when, when it comes to protecting your data. Um, personally, I do use cloud storage services, but it's all encrypted. So if Absolutely. a hacker gets after that, there's no way they're going to be able to get to the data it's because it's, it's, you know, using such a strong key that at least today can't be hacked. Uh, quantum computing is interesting though. Yes, it is. 
because the theory is, is that quantum computing is, you know, once it's, um, uh, at a level that can be, you know, in the hands of, um, you know, uh, uh, you know, groups when it's not so expensive and it's one more widely available, um, you know, it's going to be so powerful that it can probably, you know, blow the doors off of most encryption standards absolutely, and even blockchain. And that's, yeah. this is, that's kind of an interesting, you know, of conversation course. around what it's going to do to blockchain and what security mechanisms uh, are going to be required, um, to secure those assets. But, um, so I, you know, I think that's going to be interesting. I'm not sure, you know, I, I'm not an expert in the, that area. So I, I don't know as far as timelines go and, and what's being worked on and being done. Um, you know, deep fake, that's another that's issue. huge, man. I think uh, on, on a global level, um, and for the listeners, you know, what that is, is someone basically, you know, creating a fake video, um, and or audio that is, um, so real. Yeah. Um, and they can basically make any person say anything they want. And I think all they need is a soundbite of like 10 words or something. I, I could be wrong on that, but it's a pretty minimal soundbite, um, that then they can use, to then, you know, fake a video fake and look at want. that on the political side or even, um, you know, uh, uh, competing companies wanting to like kill the share, the stock prices of, a, of another company, you know, I mean, it's insane. It's insane. Yeah. How, how do we, how do we prepare ourselves for that? Because if you have someone like Donald Trump or Barack Obama, uh, saying, you know, do this or do that, how does the everyday person know? Well, that's really not him. If it looks just like it, if it sounds just like it, these, these companies are going to have to create some type yeah. of technology to counteract with that. Because, uh, if we don't, I mean, everything from the political, um, arena to, to, you know, huge companies, things are going to get a little weird uh, as it gets better and better. And I don't know if it's like 40 minutes or 40 hours or 40 words, but I believe it's 40 something, right? Mm. Um, that's all they need, yeah. right? It, let's just say it's 40 hours, right? All they need is 40 hours worth of video. Uh, a lot of people have a lot of video out on there more than they could ever imagine. Right. Um, so if that's Digital all they life, needed, yeah. if that's all they needed and they can create any single human being uh, to say anything that they wanted, that's a really weird world. And so this deep fake technology, although it's pretty fucking awesome to watch, it is very scary yeah. at the same time. Yeah, I, th I think the, the threat level on this is pretty high yeah. going forward. Um, and I think organizations are going to have to you know, think about this, you know, I think first on as, as with most cybersecurity threats, you know, the, I think the newer things, you know, get targeted for the highest reward. And so larger companies, um, you know, are probably going to have to, uh, com combat this first and certainly politics, it's going to be an issue. Yeah. Um, but you know, I know a lot of platforms are developing technology, right. Where these things may live like social media, you know, I know LinkedIn, Microsoft, uh, Facebook, you know, they're, they're investing a lot of money into being able to, you know, combat, recognize, identify, and, and essentially block this. But, uh, you know, um, it, it, time will tell time, time yeah. will definitely tell cat, cat and mouse game. Oh, always. for sure. For sure. Um, <clears throat> you know, with, with cybersecurity, with the 2016 election that happened with Russia, you know, um, intruding on our political elections, what do you think is going to happen this year in 2020? Um, do you think that, you know, the RNC, the DNC were, we're prepared for things like that because it's, it's, it's fucking crazy, man. It's, it's really crazy that, and, and I know that America has done some crazy ass shit too. And we're, we're probably or definitely doing it to other countries. And, uh, just 
everything that we have done, if you looked at the very short timeline that America's been around. Um, but this directly impacted, um, you know, a, a political election, right? And so what do we do to prepare ourselves? And it's just, I mean, to, to be honest, I don't think that we're prepared. We'll t- 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 definitely time will tell. Yeah, lar- largely we're not. Um, I think a lot of responsibility um, sits with social media. Yeah. Uh, and that's a very complex issue <laughs> Fuck and yes, that we're not is. prepared to deal with, you know, um, with Twitter, with Facebook, with, with LinkedIn, Instagram, uh, all, of that all, all these, yeah. TikTok, TikTok even for sure. Uh, which I just learned about that. One <laughs> uh, my kids aren't old enough, but, um, but I mean, I, I think, I mean, I don't know where to start. It's a complex issue. And, but I, I do think that we need to figure out mechanisms where we can eliminate, um, you know, threats of, you know, promoting misinformation and, you know, uh, kind of, you know, the manipulation of, you know, small and, and, and large groups of people. Um, and so, you know, so most people, that's how they communicate these days, social media, that's naturally where I Mm -hmm. think, you know, and, and I know that they're having these conversations, um, 100%. You know, on that same note, how do you foster, you know, a platform that people want to participate in and also not, you know, inhibit free speech? It's so true. And the sharing of ideas and, you know, and then, um, you know, people that, you know, may not be in that category of, you know, manipulate, but are close enough right there. It's just their agenda is their agenda, but it's not to manipulate, but it's their voice. It's their message. And who are we to say that they can't have a platform to speak? Absolutely. And so, yeah, it's a very complex issue. Uh, I, you know, I, I wish I had ideas that I could bring to the table for sure. um, on how to fix it. Um, I, 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 I no, really that, don't know. No, that, 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 that's totally fine. I, I do like uh, what Twitter did and I'm a big proponent for free speech, but they um, don't allow political advertisements anymore. Right. Yeah. And so in one way, that's shitty because I'm a big proponent for free speech. But another way, I'm like, well, we kind of saw what happened in 2016. So let's just take the politics out of it. Right? Yeah. Let's have we can have everything else. Right. But then where does that stop? Right. If, if, if we take the political aspect of it, well, then what happens if this idea happens and then that idea yeah. happens? And then it's just kind of like the tsunami of of these, uh, you know, CEOs that are the ones that are, you know, controlling the, the, the conversation, yeah. uh, that is happening, you know, and I think unfortunately, um, you know, the, our current system for, to uh, educate, um, voters on who these people are. I mean, it's, these debates are, they're, they're, they're insanity. Ridiculous. They're, they're just it's completely fucking ridiculous. insanity. When you have, uh, converse or commercials every three to four minutes, yeah. um, it's, it's, what the fuck, right? This is it's not, it's not conducive, and they're not even talking about. And then fifteen second, yeah, exactly. These fifteen second yeah. blurps, right? Um, commercials every few minutes. It's like, no, what what happened to uh, being able to have a long form conversation like you and I are just having are having right now? Uh, you really don't get to learn a yeah. lot about their thoughts, their ideals, um, and just kind of what makes them the right candidate. So uh, it just then becomes a shouting match. 
And it's just, it's, it's fucking insanity to me. You know, this whole entire political landscape that we live in America right now, um, is, is just a little crazy right now. Yeah. I mean, we have a, I think that we have a problem with education and, you know, and information and misinformation. So, you know, what's happening is I think largely, you know, people who they think they're voting for and why they're voting for them and what they're, you know, uh, they don't, they're not seeing the full picture. And, and I, oh. I realize I, I don't as well, you know, I'm putting myself, this is everyone. Yes. And it's because of the system that we live in. And so I think a lot of time needs to be spent on that. I, I do, you know, think, yeah, eliminating, you know, political, but I mean, you know, if you look at um, the dossier on, you know, Russia's approach to manipulating our election, I mean, it was just insane on how they, you know, targeted certain groups and created, you know, these messages that would get people, you know, mad that then, you know, I mean, they're just truly, I mean, it was this, the design was, was just insane. It was fucking terrible, brilliant, but fucking terrible. And I don't, don't misconstrue my, uh, me saying brilliant. I mean, brilliant by how fucking like well thought out or whoever thought of it like it was just no, like it was, so it was, thought it was my gosh yeah, it was human and, hacking absolutely at and, its greatest. and we just for sure at its greatest this will go down in history books as the well at this till this point the greatest yeah. hack that we'll, has we'll ever see happened. who's writing the book yeah <laughs> <laughs> it's so true though man and so i I don't know, man. Cybersecurity for me is it's a big issue. And I would not even be thinking about this stuff if, if I never got into cryptocurrency and blockchain technology. And so that's another thing that's really, um, you know, going through that process yeah. uh, has really opened up my eyes and ears to, to all of this. Um, and I just want people to be more aware and be more conscious about their choices that they make online. Um, you know, social media is, has many fantastic aspects, but it's also fucking crazy at the same time. And it's so new. Everything is just so new. All of this technology is so new. What the iPhone's been out for like 11 years. Um, shit, it feels like MySpace was the other day, right? Tom yeah. was everyone's friend. <laughs> and uh, so so all of this. And now these companies that, you know, started out these college level, uh, you know, projects um, are now controlling, you know, controlling the world and, and our thoughts and our ideas and everything like that. And they're multi, multi-billion dollar corporations. So we really need to be thinking about our actions. And that's why, you know, having you on here was really important to me, not only because of our friendship, but because, you know, w- what you do, you know, what you bring to the table and are able to share with, you know, the listeners um, about, uh, you know, simple ways that they can stay safe. Um, and also, I also think what your company does is fucking awesome. It really hits the core uh, of the way that we think now as a society. Yeah. Well, you, you know, and I, to me, I, I chuckle a little bit and just because I, you know, I've been in this industry long enough where I've been selling the, you know, um, software and the data center stuff and the firewalls and the, you know, um, uh, and all the the security platforms that are really expensive. Yes. And you know, at the end of the day, um, you still have ninety three percent of breaches on account of human error. You you could spend all the money in the world in the data center and blinking lights and um, you know, uh, and yet spend a fraction of the cost on your 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 staff, on people using your computers and and, and in training. And probably have you know take a much larger bite out of the risk profile for sure, absolutely. Um, and and so yeah, and so that's why. And you know, I think I mentioned after seeing it so much, organizations getting hacked. You know, I almost 
feel like this is, you know, I'm participating um, with a company that is making a tangible benefit to society by doing something, you know, uh, and we're not the only cybersecurity security awareness training company out there, but I figure, you know, I, uh, I, I believe that we are doing it in the most impactful and powerful way. And as we continue to grow, we can continue to spread that. And so I have just a ton of, you know, passion for, you know, what we're doing in, in almost, you know, fixing, fixing society a little bit. For um, sure. Right. And I mean, I know that sounds kind of cheesy. No, no, but it's so true. But, uh, I mean, just the devastation that, you know, happens when someone becomes a victim. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's, it's, it's crazy. So, you know, some people will never recover from that emotionally or financially. Yeah. Right. It's so intrusive. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's terrible. So. It's, it's terrible. And you have these hacks const hap- happening constantly. Um, so, you know, what you are doing is impactful. Uh, and I do believe it is companies like yours that really will make real change because if 93% is human error, well, let's get that down to 83%, 73%, 63%, because what would that mean? Incremental change. Incremental change, just slowly change. Well, it'll force the hackers to come up with something, you know, new, but great. It's a cat and mouse game, right? Let's, let's close, let's close one door. If they want to try and open another, uh, you know, they're going to, we can't, we can't stop that. No, not um, at all. Not at all. Yeah. They're going to constantly be innovative. Um, and that's why you constantly have to be at the forefront. You know, We're, we are also working on for 2020, um, uh, something called Ninjio home. And what that is, is for the eight to 14 year old demographic. Uh, and it's teaching, you know, kids about di- digital citizenship, right? Yes. Um, social media, playing video games and talking to strangers, you know, online, uh, using location services on your phone. And it's not just for the kids. It's also the parents, you know, need to be involved so they understand. And I think largely, and these are, you know, also look at generation, generationally, kids are growing up on this. They're expected. All their friends are doing it. Yes. Um, were they properly trained about the risks? Probably for the most part, not. No. Uh, but we also need to educate the parents so they know what the risks are. I think many, oftentimes, uh, you know, parents or even anyone adopts a technology and they don't really understand the true risk. Uh, and I have a, um, a side story on that on a project I did many, many years ago that, you know, kind of uh, articulates that. Um, uh, but I'll get to that in a second. So Ninjio Home is going to be content that's, um, you know, going to be targeted to deliver it in kind of that same methodology. It's fun, engaging, love but that. help kids kind of build a foundation. I freaking love that. Support. That was yeah. a question I was actually going to ask you is, uh, you know, what are you creating? But that's where it starts. That? Cause that's, you know, but when coming up with an identity of digital security, um, the younger you start, um, you know, build that baseline, you know, oh, for sure, to, you know, have it grow. Um, you know, for life. So absolutely. But anyway, interesting thing I did, and this was, um, I think my last year in school, everyone, you know, they had to do their, their project. Right. And, uh, mine was on wireless because at the time wireless was kind of a new technology many homes didn't have wireless yet. Right. It was many, uh, most of it was businesses. So what I did is I, um, you know, and I was really interested in, in wireless when it first came out as you know, I usually am with most kind of new cool technologies that I see as, you know, game changer, right. Sure. Virtualization was one of them. I got, you know, deep into, you know, virtualization just cause I thought it was such a cool technology, but with wireless, um, what I did was I got a laptop, uh, a big 
uh, omnidirectional antenna, big antenna, right? Yeah. So I could see lots of range. Uh, used a program called, uh, I think it was Aircrack or AirSnort. I can't remember which one. <laughs> uh, but it basically, all it does is it it just um, scans and uh, finds and records wireless networks. And it'll tell me whether or not it's encrypted, uh, meaning you need a password to get on. So I drove from Anaheim uh, on the 5 freeway uh, down to, uh, I want to say Dana Point area. Wow. It's probably about, I don't know, maybe a 20, 30 mile trek. Um, and, uh, on that trek, just from the freeway, I found, um, uh, how many was it? It was, it was roughly, uh, I want to say 75 wireless networks that I collected along, along that route. Um, and so most of those are businesses. It's the I five corridor. There aren't, you know, there aren't a ton of homes that I'm driving by. So these are mostly businesses. Um, out of that, those 75 networks, uh, I think 15, one five were encrypted. Oh my gosh. One five. And so largely, you know, what happens is this new technology comes out. People see that it solves a business problem, but they don't really understand, you know, the other, you know, risks and vulnerabilities. And so they turn it on, it works great. And, um, and that actually, uh, led me to my first, you know, kind of side business where, I'd go around and, um, you know, on, uh, in those areas off the I five freeway, put a card that says, you know, business it services, you know, we can secure your wireless. So hackers can't get in and, uh, you know, started making money. That's so cool, man. That's so cool. Wow. So you drove from Anaheim to Dana point scanning the internet and to think there was only 75 back then. How many would you get now? Uh, yeah, I mean, a lot thousands. More. Yeah, <laughs> probably millions, yeah, right? Yeah, uh, everyone and their mama has yeah. a wireless nowadays. But um, yeah, I mean, to have your Wi-Fi just open network that uh, seems pretty uh, in- insanity. And these are, you know, these are businesses, right? Yeah. So there's, you know, and there's a lot uh, that they can lose, mm-hmm. right? Um, and I'm sure there's a lot still, right? It's still to this day. So it's just really important to be thinking about all of these things. Um, where for for your for your company, so 2020 is going to bring, um, it's going to bring the the well, what is it called again? Uh, Ninja Home. Ninja Home. Uh, so that's yeah, and then we're also opening up con. We're doing content, um, uh, like HR based content because everyone, you know, people. Uh, we, you know, we're one of those companies where we do, we do things kind of so cool and unique that yeah. we, we even have this like cult following. Like people love our content. We, I, I love our content. I mean, it's, it's That's really awesome. cool. Um, but a lot of people have asked us, Hey, you know, we have to do sexual harassment training. We have to do anti-money laundering training. We have to do anti-corruption training. We have to do, you know, um, uh, you know, um, uh, diversity training. Can you create in your style? Can you, you know, do that? We buy it from you. So we're, we're actually kicking off with that and launching our first series on, um, sexual harassment. Wow. Uh, so wow, yeah. that, that, I, I, I don't want to say sexual harassment is awesome because it's definitely not. Um, but it is awesome that you guys are uh, going to take that same thought process for the cybersecurity yeah. and implement it towards that. But, you know, we're also adapting it for, um, you know, the digital age we're in. I mean, sexual harassment can be, you know, uh, d- delivered in, you know, now social media where, you know, you, you, call, you can make colleagues 
quite uncomfortable by making comments in Absolutely. social media now where that wasn't that wasn't an issue back in the Never. day. So we're going to be approaching, you know, in the digital age, you know, the, some of the new, you know, topics that I think people need to be aware of. For sure. Um, Will they be so, in this the same kind of few minute yeah, segments? Yeah, all, same kind of style, um, you know, um, they, they may be you know, slightly longer, but not by much. Um, but it's the same concept, Hollywood, you know, stories, right. Hollywood story writing. Um, and we actually, so we do have a, re, a Hollywood producer who's, um, you know, a minority owner in the company nice. who writes all of our scripts. Um, he's written Bill Haynes. He's written, uh, over 72 episodes of Hawaii Five O and CSI New wow. York. Uh, and he used to be, or is a forensic sheriff as well. So he's, um, you know, he's legit and, uh, you know, definitely a key to our uniqueness, yes. um, and, uh, and, and our success. That's yeah. awesome. Now, if, uh, businesses and just people in, in general want to go and look more into this, into your business, where can they go? Um, yeah. So if, uh, ninjio.com, N I N J I O, um, you can, you know, see some sample episodes, um, on there as well. And, uh, um, uh, yeah, that's awesome, man. I, I, I really love, uh, everything that we've talked about today. And I know there's so much more, and this is not going to be the last time I have you on here, but it was really important to me, like I said before, to have you on in this first, first batch of podcasts one, because you're a really good friend you're my freaking brother. But, uh, also there's just a lot that you have to share in your beautiful freaking brain, man. <laughs> um, everything from your story. I mean, everything that you've gone through, uh, just, kind of really understanding that uh, when is the right time to move? When's that right time to take the next step and not to be afraid. And then also to understand when to pull back uh, because a lot of times we'll get caught up in our own shit and we just want to say, oh, fuck it. I'm just going to give it all. But even though that is the wrong decision, right? Um, but just our pride and our ego gets to us, right? Um, I, I find that really fascinating. Uh, fascinating about you, um, our stories uh, of, of you know Gold Block Network and yeah. uh, really understanding that and kind of uh, everything that I learned from it, everything that you learned from it, uh, psilocybin. I mean, just everything that we've talked about. It just really means a lot to me, and I want to thank you so much for having you on here today, man. Yeah, thank you. It's um, been a pleasure and. Uh, uh, you know, I love, I, I, you know, I could talk with you for days. Yes. That's, you know, that's for, sure, <laughs> for sure. For sure. Like I said, this won't be the last time, but there is uh, one last question I do want to ask you. Yeah. Um, is there one regret or any regrets that you have in your life? No, no. Uh, I look at things that happen good or bad as, you know, lessons and building blocks. Um, you know, I, I know it sounds cliche, but you know, no regrets. No, you know? it's a lot of people lie to themselves Look forward. I think, re, you know, regrets is like, uh, it's like a rocking chair, right? You're moving, but you're not really going anywhere. Like, what's the point? Like why, sure. why fixate on it? Unless you're extracting a lesson yep. out of it. Um, but then that lesson to me is like, that's the most valuable thing you can get out of a failure is a lesson. Yes. It's, it's more valuable than not failing. Mm -hmm. Right. A 100. Uh, so failure is good. Uh, adversity is good. Challenges are good. Feeling uncomfortable um, is good. Feeling uncomfortable is good. In the uh, right 100%. way. hundred percent. But yes. yeah, a hundred percent. It all helps us remember that, you know, we got to keep motivated, motivated. We got to work. Uh, you know, life, life isn't easy. Although, mm -hmm. you know, I think some people definitely, you know, there's a spectrum of, uh, people having opportunity and, and not having opportunity. And, For sure. Um, so definitely want to recognize that. And I recognize I've, I've had a ton of opportunity, but, um, 
Yeah. Nothing's no, been handed no, to you, No man. regrets, man. No regrets, nothing. Uh, yeah, man. Thank you so much for coming on here. I love you, brother. Well, I love you too, man. Thank you. Uh, I want to thank everyone for listening to Back to Your Story. Have a great night. Peace. Bye-bye. Yeah.